that ass only We the best in the world You hear me? You hear me son? Best damn podcast ever Let's get it That ass only We don't say no cap We don't say no cap This is that ass only pod Three peas in a pod Jai and Josh Talking music From hip hop to R&B Not NBA 2 That NFL 2 Now y'all looking for opinions We giving it that ass. You're, and we are back with the Dead Ass Only podcast. This is episode seven, season two. I am your host, Ja, and I'm here with my grimy crimeys, my cohorts, my partners in pod, Mr. Oh My. Josh. Good. And... The tagless one, the always agitated, the always on the move, Mr. Ant. What what to do, y'all? You know, my intro wasn't as cool as Josh's, but it's all right. You got to get a song, man. You know what I'm saying? Josh, right. made, Josh made that. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my Josh is a brand. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Oh, my Josh is a brand. Follow so him on Twitter. It's a Instagram. lifestyle, people. It's it life. is. Yeah, it's a lifestyle. lifestyle. You live like this. The Oh, my Josh lifestyle. What do you need to be a part of it, Josh? You gotta hate women. You gotta hate women rappers. Whoa, 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 whoa. Um, and what else, Josh? Talking shit. Not <laughs> you talk. You you gotta say the WNBA players are good, but I get why no one watches. Listen, listen. I don't know what this thing is. I was <laughs> actually me who said that one, but oh yeah, yeah Josh. Go Strong. You know, if it wasn't for women, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at in in my life. Shout out in my the mom. world. That's a fact because my father ain't shit. <laughs> you sound Jesus like Christ. a bastard. You know me? You sound like one of those guys who got to do like a domestic violence ad. Like you were just saying like shit that you think other people want to hear. Nah. They want to hear it because this is my... This is his story. This is my story, you feel me? <laughs> this is my career. <laughs> Happy Labor Day, y'all. Word, y'all. <laughs> I hope y'all yeah. on the Parkway Pelton Waste. Yeah, I was just, you know, <laughs> Juve last night. You know, I was going crazy. Grinding up, I hope you grinding up on a tree with no, a figure trying to daddy and woman. Girls, my girl. Well, no. then, then, you did that at Juve? No, I was about to say, I don't do that. Josh. Too dangerous, bro. It's too dangerous out here, bro. This not a news podcast, but six people were shot last night on No Shit in Montgomery. So yes, Juve is uh, Juve's dead, bro. I don't, I don't do none of that. Labor Day, none of that. People get shot too much. I'm good. Yo, I'm already see. a target. Ooh, I'm an Americanized young, nigga, young, black, and gifted. No. Facts. Anywho, <laughs> um, last night, we, um, we back with more NBA news. We'll have some music for y'all later. Uh, we'll start with last night's games. Well, do we y'all want to start? Last night's games or the overall view of the, the playoffs? What are we doing here? We're going to start with last night's games. Last night's? That's cool. That's, that's, that last makes the night, most sense, right? Last night. Last, last night, night, the Los Angeles Lakers defeated the Houston Rockets 117 to 109. Anthony Davis led all scorers with 34 points. Sheesh. Followed up by LeBron James with 28 points. James Harden led the Rockets in scoring with 27, followed up by Eric Gordon's 24. And Russell Westbrook had a pedestrian 10 points and a negative 14 plus minus. Now, uh, that game really... Showed the game planning from Frank Vogel or whoever it was, LeBron, Jason Kidd, whoever it was on that fucking bench. Um, but 
Westbrook, they let Westbrook just shoot. They, they treat like, Westbrook like Rondo. Yeah, they was like this. For you to win against us, you gonna have to shoot, shoot good. And that's not gonna happen. It, it really, you saw it, which is, I feel like why Mike D'Antoni should go back to the drum boards. It's too late now. It's not too late. It's one one. What? How much? How much drum boards could he do with just six five center? Not a lot, there's not a lot to draw to do. But six five center is not the reason why they're losing. Listen, fam. I think AD gonna keep heating up. And this is all expected from Russell Westbrook, though. They gotta put Robert Cumberton on that man. I'm sorry. Yeah, Roko gotta. He gotta. He, you know, is, was he on the old defensive team last year? First team? Nah, I, I don't know. He might have been first team, second team, nonetheless. Ja Rizzo? All NBA um, defender you know? Robert Cumberton. I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, put it like this he is the defender who is most. Who, no one on the Lakers, no one on the Rockets can stop Anthony Davis, but I would like to give him the shot before tiny PJ. PJ Tucker's great. You know what I'm saying? We can't make, take anything away from PJ Tucker, but let's be real. You're tiny. I, yeah, and I feel like um, probably Robert Covington, I didn't really pay attention. He probably have the responsibilities of LeBron more. I feel like they should switch that. I feel like PJ Tucker would have a better time with LeBron, even though you can't stop LeBron. And Robert Cumberton will have a better time against um, AD. Well, they will both have a terrible time against both those players, but I get what you're saying. It will be a Yeah, because you can't stop. You can't stop great players. You can't, you can't. Stop. Particularly those two. Yeah. Like, they're, they're really hard to stop. Did you guys happen to catch Westbrook's comments after the game? Yeah. What do, y'all feel, what do y'all feel about the whole, right now I'm just running around? What do y'all feel he's trying to say? I've got to look at film and figure out how to be effective. What do you... I got my own um, theory on what he's saying there. What do you guys think he's saying? I, you go ahead. I think he wants the ball. I think that he's saying that him saying I'm just running around means I don't have the ball and I'm not running the offense. But And that's what I feel like Mike D'Antoni probably has to do, even though if you're a Rockets fan, you don't want to happen. Yeah. Um, you're going to have to have Westbrook be the ball handler, the primary ball handler, and James Harden. The one because that's the I best can't. way they could win. Because if, if James Harden is handling the ball, Westbrook is now the odd man just standing in the corner, and now they'd be like, Oh, we could double this man now. But you know what? The funny thing about you saying that is I felt that in the beginning of the year, but that philosophy is almost counter is a counter to what Mike D'Antoni does. Mike D'Antoni's offense is my best player has the ball the entire game. And everyone around my best player does what they need to do, and that's it. So it hurts the Rockets almost to take the ball. In his, in his, in his theory, it hurts the Rockets more to remove the ball from James Harden's hands. But then you got a guy on the court like Westbrook who kind of becomes like a sieve on, on offense. It's like, I can leave him. I just leave him. And, and now your space is messed up because everyone's – I guess shaded a little bit closer to, to Harden and he I can mean, operate. In my opinion, I feel like Westbrook should get more run with the second unit just because of it's two main ball handlers. It's not like two, like a primary and a secondary ball handler. It's two primary ball handlers. And James Harden is the better on ball ball handler and off ball player. Like he's better, better in both facets. He's better of at the game. everything player. So yeah, basically. So in my opinion, D'Antoni got to give Russell Westbrook some more run with the second unit. 
because just to have the ball in his hands and let him do what he wants. I can see that. I think, honestly, the the flaw here was that D'Antoni couldn't smooth over the relationship between Chris Paul and Harden last year. That's really what it was. Yeah. This team would be in a, I don't know if I'll say a much better place, but you wouldn't have this problem right now. You know what I mean? This problem, this, this, this particular problem would not be able to happen. I feel like the whole Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul trade was like a last, uh, a last gas for Dan Tony and his Rocket soul. I think it's more like Maury. I think, actually, I agree with you because I, I think that them going full-fledged into um, small ball was almost Daryl Maury saying, something has to work because this is the end. Like, he feels it. And especially that, like, you haven't won. I mean, you made the Western Conference Finals. You almost made it close to the finals. But they haven't been perennial winners in the playoffs. How much times are you going to get close? And my thing is, you have to keep yourself happy at a certain point in time, too. But James Harden clearly likes Mac D'Antoni. He averages 30-something points a game with him. I mean, yeah, of course. So you're going you're gonna to get his buckets. He's, gonna, he's happy from that way. He's not going to be winning as much. So I felt like it was just like damage control to go out and run and get 20 of your best friends yeah. to keep you happy. I felt and like it was just damage control. And very similar to the Sixers situation, Houston doesn't have much like leeway with making moves. Like, who do you trade to get anything? You ha- the only viable options were, are, are Westbrook and Harden. You're not going to trade Harden. Westbrook's contract is way too big for anyone to really want to take that right now. Was he 33? Yeah, is, is is um valuable. Who? Cummington. But they wouldn't trade him because he's like the linchpin to their defense. Yeah, like everybody else on their team is nece- like is is a necessity for this small micro bullshit to work. Exactly. I don't know. I think and if you try to trade Russ, who is your who are your trade partners? I'm, I'm not trying to trade him already, but I'm saying eventually this is going to have to break trade up. Partners are bad teams. That's it. Don't call don't, and and my my fear is they could they call my calling the Knicks. My thing is with bad teams, there's never like a real like it's a rare where you have an equal star player or equal player of value when you're trading with a bad team. You're mainly going to get a package deal back. Oh, 100 percent. They get and package. most of the time, it's not going to be worth no, the outcome. One of the biggest sins in sports is trading a, a dollar for four quarters. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you have Anthony, like, the Pelicans, I wouldn't call it four quarters for a dollar. I would say, what's a really bad trade in, like, history? Just, if you trade LeBron back, when they give you back four okay players, you still traded LeBron. Like, you don't got LeBron no more. You traded the best thing available. So, you can always get four quarters, but that dollar may not be available later. Yeah, four quarters won't get you that same Exactly. To me, this Houston problem really stems back from, this is far back from when they traded for Chris Paul in the first place. They had a deep team and they traded Lou Will in that trade. They traded Montrez Harold and look what Montrez Harold turned into. Six man those, me. those two players right there, and I know it's for Chris Paul. I know they made the Western Conference. But if you look at it now, though if they have Montrez Harold now running that small ball, yes. You, we talking about a whole different conversation right now. And like to piggyback off of what you're saying. That's true. Them, them trading Chris Paul shows just like once I once again like the whole Mike D'Antoni and, and Daryl Morey couldn't. Part of being a coach and a GM is to work on relationships. Like, think about how good that Rockets team was those two years with Chris Paul and, and James Harden. Like, they had like some ungodly winning percentage when they was on the court together. Like, I don't think that they have lost. They lost fifteen games in two years on court together. Chris Paul and James Harden, like they had one of the best like winning percentages when playing together. Like I don't think they lost a lot of games ever because they when they played on the court at the same time. So 
you're going to give up basketball success because these two guys can't get along. Like at some point you got to step like and after two years, mind you, they were only losing to the Warriors. It wasn't like they were losing to some bum team. But I think mm-hmm. what happened was when Steph killed them in that game six, when he came back and just, yeah, that was the end of it. They kind of realized this shit has, has the ship has sailed. Without um, KD, yeah. Because KD, KD wasn't even playing that game. That's Steph's best player performance to this day. But uh, I do thoroughly believe that the Rockets got to figure something out. And I'm not talking like the series is over. The series is not over. It's tied 1-1. I, let's, we should change the tone of this conversation. It is tied 1-1. Yeah, it's but, not over. No, we the Lakers, seen, the like, Lakers seemed to figure them out last night, what it felt like. We're just saying, like, if it does go the the bad route, Say like the Lakers win three straight or whatever, or the series goes in six. They have some real hard questions to answer. Is Mike D'Antoni really coming back? No. Is Daryl Morey? Daryl Morey's probably going too. Hundred percent. And they probably having a fire sale on this roster. Because how do you realistically, as the owner, go like, let's let's try to run this back again? You're right. Because if you fire your GM and your coach, wouldn't you want your GM to have a, a roster mm-hmm. to build? But you're not going to rebuild with James Harden. James Harden will not hear nothing about a rebuild. No, but that's the thing. And I feel like Absolutely. that's why I feel like they're going to trade like role players around them to try to, you know, just fix it up a little bit. So you're going to see probably Eric Gordon going or... Yeah, maybe, he's a trade asset, but they, he might be their second best player right now. Honestly. Maybe even... um They might touch even Covington or P.J. Tucker. One of them have to be touched for them to fix something up in this roster. Yeah, it just it's all about what's available. Um, I'll take Robert Covington. I think any team in the NBA will take Robert Covington. He's mm-hmm. one of those guys. He could fit into any roster pretty easily. I'll take PJ Tucker too. Swing yeah. him. Another guy, I, corner three specialist, most important shot in the league right now. I'm gonna just go on a limb and say the Rockets timeline don't got that much time left. I know it's still one one. They can still win, and, but there's not many years behind this Russell Westbrook and uh, and this really well. Is looking really bad because now you got the Warriors coming back next year. Yep. You got teams that's rising like the Mavericks and um, maybe even the yeah. Suns, maybe even Memphis or the Pelicans. Yeah, you got te- guaranteed. There's two coming. playoff spots that 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 was available this year that's not going to be available next year. Yeah, and then you got Portland that barely made it, and then you you still got um the the LA teams. It's it's too much. It's too much going. So on. I'll say right. this about Portland to Portland. Portland is also in that group of teams that like are a year away from blowing it up. They have to blow that up eventually. If there's like, I like, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, uh, soft core, I guess Blazers fan. Right. But they, how much time can you run into the, how much, how many times can you run into the wall with the two, with the, with, your, with that backcourt? Yeah. TJ got to get traded. Eventually you got to start blowing that up. Yeah. I feel like those are like one of the two teams that have like over, like they overstayed their welcome with the backcourt. They have. I mean, Harden and Westbrook just got there, but I I, I love I've always rocked Westbrook, but he never adapted a jump shot. Mm-hmm. That since whole like 2009. That whole Houston situation is tired. The whole thing. When did Dame send them home that time? In the, with the game was that 2012, 11? 13. 13. They've been on that trajectory for seven years. You know what I mean? Seven years. That's seven almost. years now. I'm, yeah, I'm almost getting over. How how that's two contracts for D'Antoni. Yeah, I'm, you know what I mean. I'm not giving this guy another. <laughs> You're not getting another contract. Like the first time, it was just James Harden. Cool. Like they had Dwight. They had people. Like, but it was mainly him just getting traded there. Cool. Upside. During their prime with the Chris Paul 
and the rest of the teams, it was collapses. Yeah. It was collapses. It was collapses in bad, bad playoff showings. I, I thoroughly believe that the year they lost to the Warriors when With, KD was hurt, that should have been the year they blew it all up. That should have been the year that D'Antoni was gone and Maury was gone. And if you trade in CP3, if you trade in CP3, you trade him for pieces, not one big piece. You bring back I mean, depth. I'm not going to lie. OKC came up with that trade. Yeah, they won. They won that trade, like, in, in, in spades. They got everything they needed. Yeah, like, ridiculously, like, the amount of draft picks they got from that trade. That's what's going to hurt Houston now because they can't rebuild. Wow. Yeah, a lot of picks from the OK, the Chris Paul trade. I thought they got from the Paul George trade. There you go. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I forgot they was going crazy that last offseason. OKC, um, they front office. That we that guy, what's his name again? The dude in their front office. Anyways, him, he needs a statue out there. Um, because he drafted KD Westbrook. Sam Presti? Sam Presti. Drafts KD Westbrook. Um, I can't agree with that. Sam Presti also cost them uh, an insanely great dynasty. I don't. I wouldn't say Sam Presti cost them that. I would say their cheap team owners cost them that because they did not want to go over the luxury tax. I'm pretty sure Sam Presti wanted to keep James Harden. Yeah, but the trade. I, uh, hindsight 2020. Hindsight is 2020. But I always say GMs not usually frugal people. It's not their money they spending. You know what I mean? It's the owner who usually says, "Nah, I'm not going to that. That's I'm not, not going, going there." Ibaka was supposed to want to go. Yeah, exactly. That's what should have happened. But that's back before basketball was the way it is now, almost. It's like, it you kind of you needed, made, yeah. mm-hmm, you needed a rim-protected big man. You needed that kind of symmetry on the court. But listen, man, that guy drafted, we know his draft history, KD, Westbrook, Harden. Then you even got the, the smaller picks like um, Steven Adams and the Jeff Greens of the world and Serge Ibaka. He makes great picks. He fucks it all up. Fumbled <laughs> the bag, heavy, Sam Pesty. And he fixed it. He fixed it in under four years, too. Oh, yeah. He definitely, he definitely set himself back up for like, all right, we're not going to be shitty. Mm-hmm. He fixed it about, what, five years, since, five years since KD left there? Five years since KD left. Okay, so one, four. One since Russell left. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? So five years, five years since KD left. Took him five years to rebuild that whole thing. That's not bad when you lose those kind of pieces. Because Harden was the first trip to fall. He was the first trip to fall. I'd like the big three plus one in Ibaka. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, he recovered. I would say that. Yeah, but GMs don't recover for that. Look at Philly. I would say we missed out on great bas. I mean, we still got great basketball, but I would have loved to see the OKC, you know, like Warriors, Western Conference, like duel, OKC think, versus the Cavs. Yeah, I, I, they could have been the dynasty out west to keep going to the finals or dueling with the Warriors every year for the final spot. And it didn't happen. So I understand not one, but I'm just saying in terms of GMs, that's an impressive feat yeah. to be able to um, do what they did. Daryl Moore need to take notes. Yeah. Well, the thing about Daryl Moore is he's not a bad GM. I just think that his thought process is a little flawed. He's very much into like, we're going to move this, we're going to move that, we're going to move this, we're going to move that. You had to forget it. NBA not rock with Daryl Moore anyway. Oh, that's Paul. why I say he can't fight. He can't fight, not for basketball reasons. That China shit has not yeah. gone away. They did not forget. Like, they lost bread that off China that China shit. shit. I go away. I guarantee you there's owners who are very upset with Daryl Moore. When, when, Le- when you know it's real when LeBron has to apologize on behalf of another GM. This is a fact. The NBA did not forget about the China situation, and Daryl Morey will be fired. Well, let's move on to another person who may be fired soon, Mike Budenholzer, because the Bucks are on the brink of destruction. 
Um, yesterday, Chris Middleton saved the Bucks season and maybe Mike Budaholzer's job by putting on an imp- impressive performance against the Miami Heat. If you watch basketball, you know the Bucks have, are down. We're down 3-0 as the one seed, which was shocking. And halfway through yesterday's game, Giannis was hurt. Missed the entire game. Allegedly, he was hurt before the game, but got hurt in, in game three, though. He did. Mm-hmm. He twisted his ankle. Um, currently, I'm reading Tim Reynolds. Um, just a writer. I don't know what he what he works for. Giannis is the buck is with the Bucks today. Has been getting treatment and is walking with a hint of a limp. That suggests he sprained his ankle twice in the last four days. In other words, things are on one. Things are as one would expect them to be. Pardon me for my public school education and stuttering over reading. But yeah. <laughs> so if I'm assuming Giannis plays the next game, um, but we should give more respect to what Chris Middleton did yesterday. He gets a lot of slack from just about everybody. I wonder. Yeah, I got to give Chris Middleton an apology, bro. Yeah. Me included. I give Chris Middleton a lot of shit because I'm just, I don't, I, he's a good player. I always look him as like a lower tier when it comes to like star players. But he's the he's the nicest of the whack. Well, the wackest of the nice niggas. Mm-hmm. The, the he's the gatekeeper. The he's the gatekeeper. I feel you. I can definitely all stars of all stars. Yeah, Chris Middleton like the gatekeeper all star nigga. Gatekeeper all star. That's gross. He's a fringe. The fringe. Fringe. A fringe. A fringe all star. Yesterday he went thirty six and eight on them hoes. So. I'm, that. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Speaking as a Celtics fan and watching Chris Middleton like always hit like the clutch shot or like the story of somehow some way, he's been doing this for a minute. I'm not gonna lie. Ever since he teamed up with Giannis, he always hits like one of the biggest shots whenever it comes to the playoffs. But he's I'm definitely like, showed growth in his game with his like play, his playmaking and his like shot creation. He used to just be catch and shoot and pretty much like one one dribble pull ups. Now he's like, here's a, a tween tween cross cross real quick. Now I'm gonna pull up left side, he really has um, really raised his game and saved the Buck season, yeah. which is 100% in jeopardy. Yesterday made me realize um, I was watching the game, kind of watching the game, and it made me realize they do need the like, they do need Giannis, but Giannis needs this nigga Chris Middleton just as much. Yes, he, he needs another playmaker. Yeah, like he absolutely needs it because the ability to create his own shot outside of the arc, that's what, that's what they need the most. I don't know what's up with the the Bucks three point shooting lately though, but it hasn't been it hasn't been like really they got the a same bunch way. of people who's just past their prime in a sense shooting threes. Like Wesley Matthews is not the same Wesley Matthews from years ago. Um, Kyle Corver, we know what Kyle Corver is now. You hate the man, and we know why. Fuck you, Kyle Corver. <laughs> That's right. I finally get to say this on the podcast on my own publication. They have um, DiVincenzo, who's probably the only reliable spot-up shooter of for that team right now. You and mean Don, you, you mean Dante? I said nigga one time on Twitter. DiVincenzo. Yeah, him. Okay. And then you got um, Brooke Lopez, but Brooke Lopez is a big. He's not supposed to be out there the whole game. So Put his like, brother in. It's just like I feel. And then you got Marvin Williams. These are guys that's passed there top shooting form except for Brook Lopez and DiVincenzo. You know, I've, at the same time, I want to give credit to the Heat, though. Yeah, it's credit to them. It's just that I, the, the makeup of this Bucks team, to me, you can see the flaws in why 
top teams in the East could beat them. The the um Toronto Raptors last year, I believe Boston could have beat them, and the Heat this year. And you know who's what's gonna happen next year? Just come on. You know, win or lose, I feel like um this hurt Milwaukee. Win or lose the series, they can come back in three zero. It still, it still, it still hurt them in a way. It hurt like, them in a lot of ways too. It hurt them in the terms of their ability to retain Giannis in the future. It hurt them in their like that num like you don't have that real number one seed glow to you. People not scared of you. You beatable. We know what to do now. Like with, some, the, um, with the Mavericks when the Warriors beat them. Yeah, it's like oh, we see it. We see it. Like you, yeah. you not the, you ain't you not it no more. We could beat I, this. I feel like this is going to be the. Listen, you can miss me. Mark my words on this one. This is going to be like the series or like the moment where the media starts to turn on Giannis. Yeah, they're going to start to turn on Giannis because yes, we all love the hot new thing on the block that the hot new player is carry their team to number one seeds and everything. But when you came into the playoffs and you start to give people a reason and a, like to poke a hole to criticize you, they will. Let's and let, you're right. My bad for cutting you off. Yeah, you're good. Let's be um, let, let's be fair to Giannis. He's on trajectory like any other superstar in history. What's this for him? Year six? Yeah. Five, six is like year six. Year six, seven. This, this, is where, this is where LeBron was in year six. This is where Mike, I'm not like, not like this is where Mike was. I'm not saying he's like the same as them, but this is where they were. The they, kept, they kept on hitting the wall. They didn't understand how to win the big games yet. And that's what kind of confuses, I feel like confuses other fans. Cause you see stories like Tim Duncan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, they players that win in their first two years or even Kobe winning in his first like four years. That's not normal though. That's not normal for a lot of great players. And, and if you think about all those players you just named and you think about the supporting cast they had, that's just one of the most legendary supportive cast out of all Duncan. the team. Tim Duncan, I mean, to be fair, he got drafted with David Robinson there. I'm just Maybe. talking about the rest of the team though. The rest of the team, but his, Tim Duncan's different because as he got older, his big three became more established with yeah. Tim Duncan. But I get uh, what Josh is saying. Yeah. It's not normal. Those are anomalies. Like, it's shit's not really happen. So I don't think we should really be killing. Of course, they will start killing him soon. And I do think that I think the, there's a little bit of pushback against Giannis for a few reasons. I think in a league dominated by American black players, they don't like that a guy called the Greek freak is becoming the face of the league. Um, uh, they they always been kind of... Uh, he's still a nigga in my eyes, man. So he's cool with me. I, no, I, I, don't I, I, got, I got love for Giannis, but I do like... There has always been pushback on European players. You know what I mean? And, it's, I, and I think it's a little extra with it when Giannis is actually an African player that goes by a European moniker. So I think there's a little more like, what's up with this guy going on here? But Yeah, um... You know, that's just the media controlling the narrative. Though. I think that's the players. I really think a lot of players have a problem. I think more players, and if you're watching the media, a lot of ex-players kind of, they'll, they'll kind of like say what I'm saying. It's a little more like, oh, well, you know, you got guys from here and there that think that this guy should, like, it's the whole MVP discussion with James Harden where everyone says, well, Harden should be the MVP because that's a player that they can like, I guess, right. relate to. Giannis is very different from them. In so, play style and in terms of just culture-wise. Yeah. I think there's a disconnect. It's kind of the same thing with the the Steph push, pushback. That yes, hundred percent. Because Steph was raised like with money, while everybody Silver, else was kind of Silver like, Spoon, light skin boy coming down the court and shooting from forty in your grill. I'll be kind of pissed too. So look yeah. at the connection with that. <laughs> they, 
Steph is like, he's probably texting him like, I know what you feel like, man. I ain't grind this hard through PSAL, PSAL, <laughs> AAU to get cooked up by some little light skin six three. Like, nah, I, didn't, I didn't take I didn't take the train to the Bronx to play a basketball game and get jumped after for this. Yeah, this is exactly not what I signed up for. Mm-hmm. True. So I, just think, I just think that there's like a little, there's always been a little player and ex-player pushback against Giannis. If you just watch in the media, Ken, you hear Kendrick Perkins talk, if you hear Kenyon Martin talk, a lot of those ex kind of like tough guy kind of players, they kind of like push back against the European. Ricky Jefferson. Well, RJ's a troll and he does a good job at it. Yeah, fuck you, Richard Jefferson. They got your ass the other day. <laughs> Facts. Scotty Pippen got him back, bro. Yeah. Scotty. He's, Scotty said, I'm tired of that Gucci flip-flop shit. <laughs> but as much as we um, talk about the Bucks not being who they should be as the one seed, the uh, the Heat, the Heat have definitely been outplaying their projections. And you got to give most of that credit to Jimmy Butler. Because this Heat team has adopted Jimmy's attitude and has become the toughest team that the NBA has right now. Would you guys agree that the Heat are probably the toughest team in the league? Um, yeah, in terms of personality-wise, yeah. Because stems from Jimmy Butler, man. It is. He he got these he got these he got these rookies playing. And the vets are equally as tough. Like, I ain't going to say it's all Jimmy Butler. Like, you got Jay Crowder ain't no slouch. Yep. Iggy ain't no slouch. Yep. Like, you got you got boys and you got the vets who are willing to go. Man, yep. they're going to, they like, Tyler Hero here for, for a young for a young baller, he, he, he played with some heart. There's some toughness. Yes. Um, one thing that Miami has shown is you can develop rookies quickly if you do it the right way they put the right vets around Tyler Hero Duncan Robinson Kendrick Nunn really hasn't been himself since um the first half of the regular season uh but this Dragic just like they have all these tough like veterans mixed with youth the team is so malleable they can play so many different lineups like they can literally guard and prepare for anything that's why I think Boston's biggest test is Miami because especially now you lost Gordon Haywood they got mm-hmm. more depth than Boston on the perimeter. So if they do end up playing Boston or Toronto, it's just they have something for everything. That's why at this current moment, Miami is my favorite to come out the East. Okay, I understand. You know, for me being the biased Celtic fan that I am, I can't give you the heat that. I'm actually looking forward to play the heat over the Bucks. No. So. While y'all giving Jimmy Butler the praise that he deserves. Gotta give it a I'm forgetting Eric Spolstra. Spo, who's coaching circles around Budenholzer right now. I I want to say thank you. Before you touch on Bud, uh, Eric Spolstra, I guess you gave a thank you to the whole organization because it's Pat Riley. Miami Mafia. Pat Riley built this whole culture. He built this whole culture set up where Jimmy Butler, who was never viewed as a number one, like a, a A kind of star, coming in here and flourishing. You feel me? So... Many, many other super, and any other stars who are not an A star can go to another franchise and seamlessly win or get into a, a playoff run that seamlessly. It's just a coach that the Heat. And if, if the NBA was good, fellas, Pat Riley would be Paulie. Absolutely. He's definitely Paulie. He's running shit with an iron fist. He got a bunch of thugs down there, and not in the bad terminology of thugs, just guys that you don't want to fuck with. <laughs> like, 
down. And the thing about Miami is they keep them with the organization. Udonis Haslam, Alonzo Mourning, if I'm not mistaken, Ronnie Cycle still works for the organization. Like they keep dudes around. Like that. Jawan Howard for a while. Jawan Howard, yeah. When you and that goes back to Ant's earlier point about culture. When you build a strong culture and you keep it embedded in the team, you don't lose it. Like Udonis Haslam was like in personality wise was just like Jimmy Butler. So you just it was nothing like to just step into that next kind of person. Like Dwayne Wade was a dog. If you play in Miami, you gotta be a dog. That's just what it is. If you're not a dog, you're not cut for there. I listened to Andre Iguodala tell um, Bill Simmons. I think he said that in Miami, Pat Riley has a rule where like players can't be over six percent body fat. Like that's a rule. Like that's a part of being on a Heat player. There is no bad condition Heat players. That's the beauty of it. Like the Nets do the same thing. By the way, Sanders. Who? Brooklyn Nets. I don't know if it's much about body fat, but all the players play on a strict diet. Play. They have to eat a certain way. They have to like yeah, legit. Yeah. They do the a, same thing in Brooklyn. Yeah, see, but that's that's what you need for a culture, though. I feel like that's like the main takeaway from this whole thing with the Heat this postseason. Just like the importance of an actual competent organization that has direction and knows what they're doing and what they want to do. Hundred percent. So, I agree with you. Because I'm not gonna lie, Jimmy Butler. He's been trying to do this with other organizations that kind of we would thought would have some kind of structure. We tried it in Minnesota. Good, you know, got Cat, Wiggins, and some mm-hmm. other young talent there. Yep. We tried it in Philly. Embiid, Simmons, more young talent there. And I know that they, I know that they, like, their whole structure is off. They whole, like, their whole vibe was off as a whole organization. But when you start from scratch and really have an image on what team you want to build and you got somebody who buys into that as a leader... That shit only wear off. Drogic having six man quality is damn an all star. Yep. And yeah, honestly, with Jimmy Butler, they finally gave him an organization that matches his personality. It's like all I want to do is win above all things else. I don't care if I have eight points. I don't care if I have forty points. If we look away with the dub, we won. And that's the Heat culture to a T. Everyone's right. tough. Everyone does their job. It's a job, it's a business. You come to work, and if you don't do your work, then you don't belong here. And like I said earlier, off off camera, Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero getting these reps young is going to mean a lot for them in the future. Like this isn't this isn't like a it's not meaningless. It's yes, meaningful. it's not meaningless games. Like Duncan Tyler, they lost last night, which we didn't. We should spoke. We should have spoke. We spoke on that already. But they lost last night. But Let's not mistake the fact that Duncan, not Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero hit three humongous shots at the end of that game to put yeah. them back into the game. You may lose the game, but guess what? The next time he takes those shots, he's not afraid anymore. He hit those shots already. So he knows what he can do. Next year, when this come around and they run that play for him, I hit these already. Like I know what this play is supposed to look like. So I think there is a lot, and Miami's great for that. Miami's great for building a culture even while you're not necessarily at the top. So when you get those players to plug in, to make you a contender, now the coach is already there. That's that's what I can say kind of about, like, teams. I will use Josh's team as an example, the Nets. Like, he always say, like, yo, they could have threw games. They could have tanked. And just, like, said, fuck it. And well, that what coach is that building? And now they got the players to plug in. Next year, we're going to see what they do. We said the opposite about Philly last week. It's the complete opposite. Remember, Philly and the Nets tanked in, the, in completely different ways. Philly went out their way to lose games 
and get good trust players. Trust the process. The Nets said, we traded away all our picks. We need to do real work. They went out there and grinded. They went out there and, but yo, that shit Sean Marks did was impressive, bro. GMs don't do that. He went out there and found a bunch of cast off players that he saw talent in, built a culture, built up all their value, D'Angelo Russell, and traded them away and built, a, built what could be a dynasty. That is extremely impressive. Yeah, GMs don't do that anymore. Shout out, shout out Sean Mizzy Marks. Shout out Sean Marks. Well, we got to shout out. It's Pat Riley, man, the OG of this shit. Pat Riley, man, that he is the that's the architect right there. That's one of that's one of the um yeah. When it's him on that Mount Rushmore of basketball architects, it is in order. It is Red Arback. It is Jerry West. It is. Phil Jackson, it is Greg Popovich, and that is the list. And I said Pat Riley and Pat Riley. If I didn't say Pat Riley again, yeah. that's it. If you look at NBA history, if they've, if this like the fifty first year of the NBA, I think fifty second year, mm-hmm. they those guys have at least thirty rings. And yeah, and like you said, between them, between and them like, is like thirty rings. Red Arback and Jerry West are at the top because what Red Arback did, even though, you know, some people don't like to count it, it, it still happened. It still yeah. happened. Red Arback, he, 10 rings, that you have to notice at some point of somebody's life, they didn't see another team win another ring. And that is dominance. And for yeah. people who, and people who don't know that, like people who can't even fathom that, you don't remember, Red Arback helped build the Larry Bird teams too. Yeah, he wasn't the coach no more. You know what yeah. I mean? But he helped build those teams too. So like a consultant or something. that shit passed on. I don't know if he was the GM at that point. I know he was still with the franchise. So yeah. what are we talking about here? He that, that dude was with the Celtics for a long time. You got to respect yeah. that. And then you can move on to Jerry West. Jerry West, he's the one who puts together the Shaq and Kobe era. Mm-hmm. And then he puts together the Warriors era. Yeah, so it's Warriors like... Era. And now maybe if the Clippers win, you could put that to his resume too. Mind you, I mean, the fact that he even got Kawhi and PG to the Clippers, that, that team's been cursed forever. So. And if I'm not mistaken, is. isn't Pat Riley the one building Memphis right now? I mean, not Pat Riley, um, Jerry West. He's with Memphis now, right? I think. Was he was, I know he's done the Warriors. I think he's with Memphis nah. now, Pat. He with the Clippers? No. Nah. Now his son, I think his son is with the with Memphis. Okay, like okay. I knew he did some work with Memphis, um, Jerry West, at some point. I don't know exactly no, he what did. he did. Um, I think it's the grind, grit and grind. Maybe I, think I don't he know. Was like a consultant for them. All I know bit. is that his resume is flawless. And then you move over to Pat Riley, who the last time the Knicks was relevant, Pat Riley was a coach. He built the Knicks culture that everyone brags about. Oh, grit and grind, toughness, blah blah blah. That's Pat Riley. Then we didn't we didn't treat him right. He left. Went to Miami and built a better version of that there. So, dude's an architect. Then, like I said, you got Phil Jackson, who Phil is a GM, but fam, 11 rings as a coach, I don't want to hear nothing. Listen, that's a lot of greatness right there. That's what I'm saying. So, I don't be on a tangent because of Pat Riley, but you got to respect Pat Riley, what he did for the Heat. I'm ready to bash the Heat now. All right, this is where Ant goes. Bash him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I just have a question, bro. Like, what what do you think the weakness is for the Heat? Um, it's not enough um guys who could create. They don't have a true star. We love Jimmy Butler, but when it gets really, when those moments get there, you can kind of swallow him up. Like, pause. 
And that's what we Hey yo. Listen, man. It's basketball talk. Y'all know what I mean. No, I know what you meant. Oh my God. And I, and I just you had throw to. A bigger, you throw a bigger defender at him, you can make his day very difficult. My <laughs> thing is yeah, like with Jimmy Butler, he can't he can't be the number one option because when you have teams, especially Next year, like I told y'all off camera, you got teams like Boston's going to get better. Tatum and Jalen Brown, they're going to be, that's Boston's future right there. They're going to get better. And then you got teams like Brooklyn, who's going to have somebody like KD. So he's going to have responsibility guarding KD or whoever they want to put, Bam or whoever. It's still going to take a lot from them to deal with those two teams because they have multiple creators, unlike what they've been going through this whole playoff series so far. Miami could win a ring this year, most definitely, but they aren't like your traditional championship team yet. Like they still feel one player away. They feel like a Giannis Antetokounmpo away. (laughs) And that's one thing. I don't know if they can win this year. Like is is it possible? No, they can't. They won't beat the Lakers or the Clippers. I don't see that happening. Jimmy Buller is not Hakeem. Yeah, exactly. You feel like that's that's why I feel like it's not going to happen. He's not Hakeem. Like, Hakeem was going crazy. Like, I think, honestly, Miami, and we're getting ahead of ourselves because we're still only in the second round of the postseason. If Miami was to end up going against picking the Lakers or the Clippers, I would say they have a bad chance against the Lakers. And the, the Clippers are too deep. Like, Miami's whole thing is we're deep. Clippers are deeper and better. Like, straight up and down, that would, that would be the varsity version playing the JV version. They would just dog them. Like, at every position, we got somebody to throw at them guys you got out there. Any, yeah, any right. lineup you could play, we could play. So, let's do this. And I, I so, that's why I think Miami is still a player away, but what Pat Riley and the Heat are doing right now is so impressive that it's kind of hard for me to take anything away from them. This team is a finals, a final, it should be a, it could be a final contender, but they still feel a player away. But right. you have to just be, give love to what they've built. Besides Giannis, who would who would be the player you at next to Jimmy Butler? Uh, you know what? Honestly, I think if one place could get him right, it would be would be um Miami would be Joel Embiid. If Miami got their hands on Embiid, I think Pat Riley changes his whole career. I think we have, I think him going from Philly to Miami in terms of culture would be the best thing that ever happened to him they would make sure he got in shape and we would see the Joel Embiid that everyone thought was there two years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is the guy we saw dominate playoff series and things like that. I think they, I think so Joel Embiid would be my guy if it wasn't um, Giannis. Okay. What about you, Josh? The best place? I mean... What player? What, which player like... do you think fits them? Which what, oh, that, that might be coming available. Oh, um, that might be coming available. It's tough because... I will have to say Bradley Bill. You think so? That's another pl- that's another player that could put the ball on the floor and um can compliment Jimmy Butler in a way. So now you have two elite guys that could put the ball on the floor and then around you got shooters around them. Well, I don't know how much shooters would be left if you trade for Bradley Bill, but oh, I feel like I hear you. Uh, but all respect to Jimmy Butler, I don't think you're looking for a player to compliment him. I think you're looking for someone for him to compliment. Because, like, 
Jimmy Butler's oh, a, star. a better person. Yes, oh, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're Jimmy right. Butler's Bradley a star. Yeah, I think that you're looking for a super like that next level up, like that guy that throw him the ball, get me a bucket guy every play. Yeah, that desperation bucket. Yes, that's, that's why I said Embiid because like that team is tough. Yeah, you can't, you on that. Yeah, you, you on. can't be not tough around that team. They will change how he carries himself. But you yeah. would have to give up a lot to get him, presumably. And I don't think Bam is definitely in that deal. Hundred percent. There's no way you get Embiid without throwing Bam in there somehow. Which I don't know. I, mean, I'll go for, I don't think Miami would do that. Now that we say that, I don't think Miami would do that. I'll go for Chris Paul. For Miami? Yeah. I can see Honestly, why. I just I'm just doing that off a sense of personalities match up. Oh yeah. Oh, he is a heat. He oh my Pat Riley would love Chris Paul so much. Chris Paul, I feel like Chris Paul and Jimmy Butler together. Right. They both hungry enough. Yeah, they're gonna have probably he's gonna be probably a toxic locker room. Probably a toxic ass locker room in there. No, that's a, that, that is the most manliest locker room in history. Giving up Tyler Hero for that. And I'll give Duncan, I'll give him Duncan Robinson. They not taking that. They getting both of them. Bugging. <laughs> they not taking that. Give Duncan Robinson. You're gonna have to give up one of them shooters, and <laughs> it's most likely gonna be Tyler Hero. Nah, I can I live think, with Grandpa CP3, Jimmy Butler, and Bam. Nah, I think Kendrick Nunn. Kendrick Nunn will be in that deal too. So you might be able to keep one of the white boys. One of the white boys gonna stay. Because if, yeah. if I'm OKC, I want Tyler Hero in that deal. Him, Shake it. Shane Gillen and Tyler. Hell yeah. That's what I want. You're crazy. Listen, man. Chris Paul makes sense for me. I like I feel like personality wise. I had the worst answer out of all y'all, man. <laughs> you didn't like that? No, nah, I didn't like Bradley Bill. Yo, just scratch that from the surface, guys. Forget I ever said that. Well, you said it into a, a, a live microphone, so it's now just it's in, the, it's in the universe now. It's in the universe. Tape delay. Tape delay? Okay. Tape. But yeah, so do y'all think question about this series again? Do y'all think Budenholzer is gonna get fired if they if they lose? Uh, not this series. I mean, not after this series. I feel like they go give. Him, I feel like they go give him one more year because there's no other coaching candidate that's better unless you go to hire Mike D'Antoni. How uh, that would be interesting. That's the only because if Mike D'Antoni gets fired. That's the only reason I see them getting rid of um, Mike Boonholzer or Mike D'Antoni and then have Giannis be the, the, the mega point guard that Mike D'Antoni always wanted. <laughs> nah, I don't like how that sounds at all. <laughs> yeah, not feeling that. Um, but, but there's no other coach out there for them, to be honest. So yeah. I feel like I'll wait a while. I think, but I think, I put it like this. If they got swept, if they'd have lost last night's game, he would be fired. There's no way a one a one seed's getting swept by a five. Yeah, and you should come back with wanna, your job. They want to they want to talk to Pop. I think everybody's going to try to talk to Pop, wouldn't you? I mean, if you have championship aspirations, yes, you should. <laughs> Relax. Anyway, <laughs> um, so Toronto has now tied up. Not tied up. They tied up. They tied up the series with Ants. Darling Boston Celtics, shout out to OG of OGs, OG and Anobi, who showed OG? up. OG? OG? He said that. Fuck you, OG. Him, yeah, fuck you. Fuck he said, you. Fuck, he said That's fuck right. you back. Now nah, you cool, though. Good shot. <laughs> Good shot. But fuck you. I was telling you, like, fuck. It happens, man. Um, I feel like if we was to win that game, the series is over. 
that gave them the life they needed. So I'm kind of a little shook. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not feeling this. I'm a little, I'm a lot of shook if right now. This kind of gives me the vibes of remember last year they was down 0-2 against the Bucks. And everybody was like, wow, like it's over. Like Yan is better than Kawhi, yada, yada, yada. But now I feel like like Ann said, it gave them life again. You see the championship team in them. Cause, yo, because at that point, when your back's against the wall to go down 3-0, nobody, yo, nobody has, I think, come back from 3-0 in the playoffs. No, nobody has. No, 139, oh, and 139. All right, see, so look at that. When you have your back against the wall, basically elimination like that, and that last, whatever that sign of hope is, that last shot by OG, that's time for God, bro. So, just like the shot. Uh, yeah, because the longer this series goes, the more we need Gordon Hayward. And we just don't have the depth to, against Toronto to counteract that. Like, this, I'm not a fan of Wanamaker. Hate I'm him. not a fan. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I, I don't like the Celtics bench that they got. Like, Ooh, after, can I name? Y'all like, have to play Robert, Robert Williams yeah. more. Why is Ennis Cantor? This is the reason why Billy Donovan, I know any basketball fan on Twitter have seen it when Billy Donovan's like, we can't play Cantor in the playoffs. This is why. Every time he's on the floor, they add a disadvantage. Robert Williams, you might as well give this man the experience that he needs because he is the better player. Right now, the thing about Robert Williams, we had him on the roster for like three years, but he has like, He's like the dollar version of like Mitchell Robinson because the same area. Why couldn't you say Jared Allen? I mean, they all in the same mode, like all three. All right, listen, Mitchell Robinson better in my opinion, but then that's not the question right now. Thanks, Ant. My thing, listen, <laughs> a dollar is a dollar version Mitchell Robs. Like he keeps out trouble and just learning the game of how to stay in in the game of like without getting foul trouble, actually nice. adapting. So we kind of can't play Cantor. So Robert Williams has to go in there and do what he got to time. What we got to do, we got to do. Of all the playoff series, I have in, I have enjoyed the coaching chess match in this series more than any other series. All Absolutely. these guys do is adjust every every quarter, every like three plays down court is like, oh, we're y'all in zone now. All right, now we playing our zone busting offense. You get in the corner, he's knocking down threes. You got to enjoy the game within the game, which which is Kyle Lowry versus Marcus Smart. Who can flop more? That this is the this is the Oscars of flopping, bro. Oscar season is just around the corner, Both and we got the two biggest actors in the A. Bro, I, I've never seen two people flop more in one game in my. Life. These are two of the stronger guards <laughs> in the league, but for some reason, Absolutely. end up on their back twice, once into once or twice down the court every every time. Does not even. Come up for question they, every time. It's Coming ridiculous. next week, we're gonna give y'all the all flop team. All flop all team. NBA, all NBA flop team for Oscar season. Oh, so Kyle Lowry, <laughs> Kyle Lowry, he got it. He the Leo of that shit. Kyle Lowry, <laughs> Leo out here. And my Listen, son Marcus Smart is right behind to young Brad Pitt in the face. No, was it young Matt Damon in the face? If Miami ends up playing, if if Miami end up playing um Boston though. You already know Boston fans gonna be so t- jealous of Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. Oh my God! Bro. Uh, all right, Boston, oh Massachusetts Celtic fans is gonna be. Son, when yo, when Celtics fans see Tyler Hero walk, like, oh my God, did he do a crossover and a three? Yo, they're gonna lose their shit. 
They're like, we're why is he not with hours. us? We're missing hours. One of us. One of us. <laughs> I mean, I do work with Tyler Hero, though. He's pretty cool. I'll take him on the Celtics. You know, anytime a good white player show up in the NBA, he's tied to the Celtics for his whole career, bro. Heaven love for years. Heaven, bro. Yo, the no funny shit. Gordon Listen. Haywood showed up. Oh my God, Boston would love this guy. They treated him better than Kyrie, bro. Kyrie That's went it. a chip. <laughs> Man, fuck Kyrie. Kyrie went a chip. No, I'm just saying, at the time, Kyrie went a chip. I, I gotta put my Uncle Ruckus hat on right quick. At best, was like a fifth seed in the West. And it's yo, like, oh my God, the next if, coming. Yo, if Tommy Heinsohn sees um, Duncan Robinson hit a three, he might come on camera, bro. This Holy moly. Oh my God. He reminds me of Larry Bird, guys. He pulls up like Larry from three. <laughs> Holy moly. Did you see that guy? Oh Yo, my god, bro. My Fuck favorite team really racist as fuck. Oh really god, racist, disgusted. bro. It's I'm so disgusted. Nasty. <laughs> Yo, Yo, got the, to be fair, they got the first black coach. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm just trying to find something, bro. To chill. They were also <laughs> they were also the last NBA city to end segregation, but hey, whatever. <laughs> uh, you take yo, you gotta take the good with the bad. Hey. I take the good with the bad. You're right. You're right. Yeah, take the good with the bad. Oh my god. I can't imagine. Tommy Heinsohn seeing Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero walking to the gym, bro. That dude will fall all over himself. And if, you're, if we're going to be really, if we're going to keep it really a sack, and they're going to fuck with Duncan Robinson more than Tyler Hero. Oh, yeah, because Tyler Hero looks too Hero's black for them. He's a little too black for them. Yeah, a little too black. Like, ooh, I don't like that. I don't like this one. No, but they could be like, wow, is that <laughs> John Havlicek? They're like, that jersey? That, I think that Hero guy listened to that hippity hop. Uh, he said his that favorite artist, hop. Little Baby. <laughs> He was like, uh, I wonder what a one is, but Duncan Robinson looked like he got mad uh Beatles in his iPod. Like I he feel like he just carries around an encyclopedia. Shout out, shout out to them though. They they yeah, wrote, shout out to them. They wrote hoopers. I feel like Pat Riley got like a patch behind the Miami Stadium that says rookies growing that he borders and like you just see like yeah. head sprout like Duncan Robinson. And most like, of them are undrafted. Duncan Robinson is the better version of Jason Capono. No, Duncan uh, Robinson is what we always wanted Steve Novak to be. That's what happened. What's Duncan Robinson? Got double check. You know, he would never reach that height, though. He would never reach that. <laughs> height. Stop, stop. Can't fuck with a discount yo, double check. Stop playing with Steve Novak, one, bro. Ain't, yo, I ain't gonna lie, bro. If you could have a good cup of tea with the Knicks, your name will ring off forever, bro. Steve Novak's name still means something Damn, in this man. city, bro. That's this a dude fact, bro. had one skill set, barely, <laughs> and he had a fucking celebration. <laughs> he, he, was with him. he was lethal with it, though. He was nah, lethal he with it. Steve Novak. He Yo. was shooting almost 50% from three one year, and his shit was wet. <laughs> That's scary, bro. Yo, mm-hmm. I just because we all live in New York, bro, so like the Knicks and Nets media is always so prominent, but the Knicks always got a couple players that just be so ass, but we just fuck with them. Bro. Like I still rock Every with Pablo Prigioni. I don't know Pablo, what Prigioni doing. <laughs> don't forget about Pablo. What was the, uh, we had another little tiny ass guard that we just loved for no. Not even remember how. Remember when we liked Landry Fields? <laughs> yeah, I remember like when Landry, Landry Fields. Fields was a thing. Fields, he was cool. He was cool. He was cool. Calm. Trying, what about um Copeland? Remember Copeland? Oh, Chris Copeland. Yo, IGB. Oh man, Chris Copeland was another one. How did we get on the Knicks, man? I don't know. <laughs> We always do this. We definitely got fans that's tired of us talking about our teams. Like, shut the fuck up. They're not even playing. <laughs> we definitely talk about the, the Knicks way more than any other team on here. I don't agree with that at all. You literally bring up the Nets every episode. That's how every, 
There has not been one episode thing, where you have thing. not. You bring up the Nets because we are headlines. <laughs> <laughs> Don't fucking lie to yourself. <laughs> we are headlines. You, we have a whole episode named after Kyrie because you was like, yo, Josh, what did he say? He's wild for that. Hey, I'm just... I'm just saying, bro. We, we gotta. We'll get to yet. We'll get to your nets in a little bit. We are Walt Disney. All right, relax, Kanye. Y'all not Walt Disney. You nigga, in this city, y'all might have better quality, but we Disney. You motherfuckers is Pixar. <laughs> okay, so so then y'all are McDonald's and we are Chick Fil A. Y'all Wendy's. Y'all better. Don't, y'all better. Don't y'all, y'all better. Y'all y'all healthier than us, but you know what the streets want. You know what the streets want. We're Chick Fil A, bro. Yeah, not Chick Fil A. The Warriors are Chick Fil A. That's high quality, right there. The Warriors are Chick Fil A. In New York, in New York, we're Chick Fil A. No, the Yankees are Chick Fil A. New York, you're not y'all. You can't do that. You nah, can't. Just... They, the Yankees are like a steakhouse, bro. Okay, relax. They like just... they like um they Peter Luger's. Peter the Luger's Yankees are Peter overrated. Luger. Peter Lugas they are overrated. What's Don't the let no one. <laughs> There's not Peter Lugas. I tell you that. <laughs> they like a one steak, bro. Yeah, that's the sauce. This nigga Josh, mad uncultured. <laughs> I don't eat steak. I don't eat steak. So I, you know how you don't like steak? I don't eat. Steak. I was. I was in my house. I was raised on chicken, turkey. You ever been to a steakhouse though? No, not really. Turkey is dry, bro. <laughs> I don't fuck with turkey, son. I don't. I don't like eating stuff that backs you up, and I can't. You know, I'm just saying that the Nets <laughs> are Chick Fil A of New York, and y'all not. Knicks are you McDonald's. Yankees now, are y'all might be on every corner, but we have better quality. <laughs> they got better service. Nobody could find y'all shit neither because y'all only downtown. <laughs> you only two places. <laughs> exactly. So the, the Yankees the street Chick Fil A, bro. The Yankees gotta be like some expensive restaurant that's everywhere. Bro. That's a fact. Y'all all Chick Fil A because that's the only place you can find. Both y'all is fucking downtown. We only got three spots in the in the New York City area. That's it. <sighs> that's fucking funny. All right, man. That was good talk. <laughs> Not good. Yeah, man. The Nets are Kroger's. You ever had Kroger's? You know what that shit is? <laughs> but, um, I never had no Kroger's. The fucking the Nuggets. Um, how do we feel about the Nuggets in this Clippers series? And you already expressed your feelings about it off camera. Let the people know how you feel about this series. Nuggets Clippers. Um, <laughs> this shit. Yeah, this uh, out of all the series going on in the second round, least intrigued by this one. Yes, I also. I, nah, I'm not. I'm, I'll check for it because I'm watching hoops, but I ain't checking, checking for it. We know the vibes. We know who's going to win the series. What happened to that yeah. Michael Porter Jr. guy that everybody loved so much during the bubble the bubble seeding games? Um, his defense is horrible. I didn't know he was that bad on defense until people started highlighting it. Because um, that was one of the things about him, defensive stance. He doesn't get down. He always stands straight, which is bad why back. People, I mean, hey. <laughs> yeah, it's going to hurt. A. Oh, man. Yo. Don't do that. He got a bad This is a medical condition. Nonetheless, the Nuggets. <laughs> the Nuggets, right? They're not going to win the series. They not, but this is uh, a lot of, like, we have a couple Nuggets fan friends, um, which is hard to believe. But he was screaming at the like TV one, saying, oh, why is Michael Porter playing? I'm like, bro, they need him to have this experience. 
Yeah, it's very similar to what we were saying about yeah. the Miami kids. You need that. You need, you need the growing page. So him playing bad, you're just going to have to deal with it. Every, every, every player got to go through it. Yeah, so, um, and that's the one thing about um, the Nuggets. They have a lot of injuries. Um, Will Barton, another important part of the team, is not with them. Um, Gary Harris just came back from injury, so we don't know how he really is feeling. Um, it's just it's just a lot of components for the Nuggets, and they just not ready yet. They just have to continue to go through this. They one of those weak, strong top teams. Yeah, you know they're I mean? a great regular season team who isn't built for postseason success yet. They're yeah, gonna yet. every year they will win fifty to even sixty games some years, and then they're gonna play a team that's like. They might be ranked over Dallas for the next five, ten years, and I don't think they'll ever be favored against Dallas in the series. Yeah, people will pick Dallas because of Luca. It's like it's just what it is. Like, there, Jamal Murray is a star, but we see his flaws. Uh, Jokic mm-hmm. isn't your traditional star. You don't really throw the ball down to him to get a bucket and things like that. He could do it. He just yeah. That's just not him. Yeah. Something about it just throws the offense off when you see him going for a bucket. Like a post up, it just looks gross. Like this is not how y'all supposed to play. Yeah, but it works. Like he had that weird ass scoop shot the other day. You know, he he hook that that high ass hook shot, bro. Yeah, that shit was weird. I don't know what that shit is, but it, it, it went in. It definitely went in. If I'm being honest, I don't have too much to say about this series because I don't feel like they had they gave us a lot to talk about. Like the first game, Clippers handled the Nuggets. Second game, the Nuggets handled the Clippers. It's like. I don't feel like I really watched what these teams look like when they're both playing their best. So it's it a real kinda, lopsided. You're right. Yeah, it, it kind of just seems like the Clippers are the better team. Kawhi had a bad game last week, and this series could be over in five. Honestly, any potential for an update? Uh, update upset? Upset? I don't think so. Unless Kawhi get hurt, I don't see it. I don't. I don't yeah. see any chance and, of them upsetting the um, the Clippers. This is this is helpful for PG because you know PG doesn't have to show up this series if he wants to. For PG, this is a filler. Get your uh, confidence yeah, back. Yep. This is a filler episode. It doesn't Get matter. Right. Get right. That's right. This is Naruto in between the tuning exams. Yeah. Ain't that really it's all experimenting on right now, bro. These are episodes for character development. Let's believe <laughs> <is> a fact. <laughs> let's believe it, PG. Next series against the Lakers. Oh, we need we need you to show up. I'm on your ass. Pause. Uh, I personally oh, do think man. that. And this is just us like skipping ahead and then we can move on to something else because there's not much to talk about here. I think that in a postseason, Anthony Davis is the X factor, but I think Kawhi and Paul George are going to, um, they're going to show LeBron's age in that next, between throwing Kawhi, Paul George, and Marcus Morris at LeBron for a series. If his age is ever going to show, it's going to be in that series. He's been showing his age kind of throughout the postseason so far. Yeah, I feel but, like this is the first LeBron that is kind of like, oh, oh wow, we see it. Getting old. Yeah, we see it. So I think him going Still against hooping. those, yeah, balling, but in different ways. There's a lot. He's out. He's out thinking people a lot more. He's always been a thinker, but the physicality is still there, but not all the time. And I think, Kawhi, I think Kawhi is one of those guys who gets up to play LeBron. He does. Like he's like, I can't wait to kill this motherfucker. LeBron is starting to do rim grazes now, man. Nobody's noticing it. We came a long way from those Heatles days. So I just want to say, yeah, like, it's been a long time since those Heatles songs, bro. And it's like, fuck. That was a long time ago, man. <laughs> it was eight years ago, yeah. nine years ago at this point. Yeah. 
Damn. That was a, think about it. LeBron was in Miami a decade ago and he's still balling top tier. Gotta respect and he was him. damn near a decade in when he signed it. Yes, he was. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> you're like, you gotta respect that. Shout out to the king, man. Um, but this series, I'm not enjoying it. So I don't want to talk mm-hmm. about it no more unless y'all got anything else to say about it. Um oh, got, Pat, Pat, Pat ejected. Pat Bez should Again. be ejected from life. He should be ejected nice. from having to be on our TVs anymore. Um, and that's that Black Air Force activity. Yeah, he's a walking pair of Black Air Forces. I just, I'm, I'm tired of even speaking of him. This, what role player gets spoken about this often? The dude just talks and says stupid shit and gets cooked. And that's what Pat Beverly does. Rated. I mean, like um, every, every great, to use a wrestling analogy, every great wrestler need a manager. That's what Pat Bev is. He's just a mouthpiece. He's just going around talking shit. Old Paul Heyman in the face. He Paul Heyman and, and um, Kawhi's Kane or Undertaker. Kawhi's Undertaker. Oh, okay, first of first of first of first. Yeah, Kawhi will be the Undertaker. You don't say shit. <laughs> but Paul Heyman is the GOAT. And I'm not going to disrespect Paul Heyman as a manager that way. But nonetheless. We're not getting into your wrestling break. Yeah, we're not. We're not. We're not. We're about um, to talk about uh, Josh and his uh, Steve Nash. Uh, yes. Next pickup. It's finally time to talk about this, the, the signing that Twitterverse overreacted to. Stephen A. said we need to, Stephen A. said we need to call human resources. And now we're here. Before Josh gives his explanation, this I want everybody to know this man was going sick in the group chats. Yes, he was. When this signing happened. He was. Just to build context, this man was going crazy. He overreacted. He left the chat. Yeah. And he came back. So Josh, the floor is yours. Okay, I didn't leave the chat because of that though. Doesn't hey, matter. You know the real reason. You know <laughs> the real reason I left the chat. Let me spin it the way I want. That's just what, how it was. Word, Josh, you, she didn't want to take the plan B. What? <laughs> Maggie? What's going on? That's <laughs> oh, a displeasure with the Steve, the Steve Nash. <laughs> Let's not get old political on here, bro. Um, but Steve Nash won the Nets, um, took the world by storm a couple of days ago. I needed some time to steam off because I was a little, I was a little heated. I was a little heated. Um, my first reactions were when they was hiring Steve Nash. How does how is this gonna get us to the championship before Giannis joins the Warriors and the whole you know the whole three P is going on again? But I I just time to think. I had time to think, and I guess it's not as bad. Niggas but I, I still have questions. <laughs> I still have questions, you know. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I know Pop didn't make it. That's why I'm retiring Joshua Thomas. Pop didn't make it to Brooklyn, you know. Joshua Thomas, 2020 to 2020. Yeah, he. I heard Joshua Thomas got locked up for fraud. Damn. Uh, Yeah, I don't know what's on. That nigga off the streets. He hasn't spoke to me in a minute, so I don't know what's up with him. But. (laughs) <laughs> Steve Nash Okay, here's the, here's the pros of Steve Nash He came from the Warriors Had a little consultant job there um, Especially when the Warriors were dominant um, He learned under Steve Kerr You know, he has a close relationship with KD um, Kyrie will respect him Because you, you can't You can't, if you're Kyrie, say I'm not listening to you To a two-time MVP Kyrie's he, a tough He's been a part of two of the best offensives in history from the Suns, seven seconds or less to the Warriors. So you could combine that. Three, three, three. He was with the Mavs. That Mavs offense is a top 10 offense all time. 
So then it's like, that's the pros for me. The cons is he never coached before. What's his <laughs> rotations going to be like? You feel me? Like, what's he going to do? Job stuff. Does he have the right um, personality to talk to KD like as a coach, not a friend? Um, and Kyrie. Like, is what is he going to do for defensive matchups? What a, I don't know. That's my questions with him. But like Ja and Ant said, I have to learn to get rid of my PTSD for the Nets and trust Sean Marks more. Y'all are now, y'all not the same franchise y'all been, bro. Yeah. I, I've been reminded of that. You know, I just went black when I saw Steve Nash as head coach. I strongly believe that with the infrastructure that Sean Marks built, with the um, the way we just spoke about the um, the culture they built in, like, they built a culture out there. Steve Nash is just there to bring what his best attributes to that culture. Y'all haven't been bad in years. I don't see y'all becoming worse. And um, I honestly think that sometimes with a fresh team, you need a fresh face. Like the Warriors were good under Mark Jackson, became great under Steve Kerr. Um, the Lakers were good under whatever bum ass coaches there before Phil Jackson. Got these teams. This happens throughout NBA history where a team is almost ready built for a championship. Yeah, we don't know if Steve Nash is the guy, but we do know that his thought process has never been applied to a team. So if they come out here with an innovative offense that no one saw, kind of like the Warriors did when they had Stephen Clay and they added Steve Kerr and the whole Draymond situation, it can be something that the league is taking a storm by. And Steve Nash has been on great offenses. He knows how to run one. He knows Kevin Durant could be just, he could see, um, him and Kyrie, Kevin Durant and Kyrie, like him and Dirk, because I did hear he tried to bring Dirk on as assistant coach when he came mm-hmm. on. So he clearly That's already, yeah, he clearly has a vision for what that that two man game should look like. And then you plug in Karis Levert and um, Spencer Spencer Dinwiddie and all the pieces they have around them. I don't see how that fails unless Steve Nash is a complete idiot. I don't think a team as well vetted as the Nets would have let him come in there if, if he didn't at least impress them in the interview and say, like, yeah. this is what I have planned. This is what I, because I know KD and Kyrie do have a lot of pull, but I would hope Sean Marks mm-hmm. hasn't let go of the reins that much that they're making blind coaching decisions. And I, I just, no, but um, going back on the Sean Marks thing, Sean Marks, well, I was reading a lot of articles because I had to read up to, to see what's going on, why he was hired. Sean Marks and and Steve Nash actually are very close. They played together on the Suns, and they said um, that him and Sean Marks always been in contact ever since, especially when he was in Brooklyn. So, um, and then even Steve Nash told Sean Marks when they fired Kenny Atkinson, um, put me in as in the search because I I want to help like coach this team. So that's what I heard, and we'll see. Man, I don't know. I believe in Steve Nash. I do. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I want to believe in Steve Nash. I like Steve Nash. I believe in Jason Kidd. um, Yeah, but I would say the difference between Jason Kidd's greatness and Steve Nash's, Jason Kidd changed the Nets by his individual greatness. Steve Nash changed the overall culture and the way the Suns played. You know what I mean? Like Steve Nash can, he knows what a great offense is to look like. Jason Kidd knows what a great point guard should look like. You feel me? 
See, Nash has been Nash. a part of something greater than just himself turning a thing great. So I do, and I can see, I can see him bringing part of the Mike D'Antoni seven seconds or less with him, a part of the Warrior system with him, a part of like a few two different teams he played with. Because in all honesty, this is funny and people laugh at it, but every part of NBA offense has a little bit of a triangle in it, whether they want to believe it or not. And I don't know, people say triangle is not viable offense no more, and it's not. It is it's viable in isolation. And you got two of the best isolation players in the league. And we do know in the postseason, isolation runs dominant. So if you could run the triangle through KD, Kyrie, and Cass LeVert, or KD, there's ways for this to work. They have so many built-in ways to make this work. This could be a full court. This could be a, a fast break team. This could be a half court team. This could be a team. They got a lot of things they can do with this team. So I think we should give Steve um, some time just to see what he does. I don't think that he should have been bad. But I get it. It's New York. We bet we bash anything coming out the door. We don't care. We don't have no respect. We don't care about no Steve Nash. That's not our problem. But I think there was a strong overreaction to it. But guess what? I think it's dope that the Nets are even getting that kind of reaction in the city now. Like, not even to be funny. Like, there have been years where this was like back page news. Like, all right, cool. Nets got a new coach. This shit was ringing off. Like, Nets got a coach now. And because... They are, they are a thing in the city, so I think that it's a I think it's a positive. Honestly, I can't. What, what's the worst that could happen? You have to fire him. So people fire coaches every day. Yeah, That's it. I don't. I honestly don't see KD and Kyrie going nowhere else. I can't see KD being on another team. I don't. See, if he if KD leaves the Nets, he's gonna win a ring with the Nets, and he's going back to Seattle whenever that team shows up. That's the only thing I can see happening for him to leave the Nets. Like superstars don't just be running around like this. Paul Paul George, fucking. Uh, <laughs> I, I I don't know. I, I'll see. He has to put me wrong. Let's give it time. Give it time. Let's give it time, man. Let's not bash. Give Steve has a chance, man. I think it's going to be pretty all right with this Give Steve a chance. Mm. Let's start mm. with the dumbest news in the week. ASAP Ills kicked ASAP Ferg out of the thing that ASAP Ferg makes cool. Let's talk about it. <laughs> the fuck is wrong with this guy, Ills? <laughs> Who does this guy think he... I get it. I get it. ASAP Ills and Yams and whoever else and Bari started ASAP back when it was a bunch of kids walking the streets. Now, two of the biggest rappers in the world are a part of it. And if you kick them out, y'all don't matter anymore. So, ASAP name holds nothing. ASAP name holds nothing. Without Rocky. Without Rocky, Ferg, and Yams, ASAP is just a bunch of dudes who who have ASAP in front of their name. I feel like... uh... RPMs. Yeah. RPMs. After 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 Yams passed. I'm just making a guess. I don't fucking know. But some kind of internal struggle. Like clearly he was the brain and the functioning like like Yams, brain right? of the yeah, Yams. He was the yeah, operation yeah, yeah. of this shit. Of this whole yeah. ASAP shit. So when you lose the head of the whole operation, like the person who really set the shit up, it's tough to have that a second because not always the most popular person is well suited for the job. The most like it's tough. That's a tough thing to do. So it was only a matter of time when some shit like this popped up, though. But Surprising real, from young ills, like from like the ASAP ills, some shit like that. Like it's weird coming from one of his places. Like it feels like a Rocky Ferg kind of disagreement, more understandably so. But to have one of the people that really don't play the spotlight like that trying to kick people out. He's a Stussy model. What are you telling me that I'm kicking up? Bro, I would have. But my thing is, listen, he does, he does hold the ability to kick him out because he's a founding member. They like, I get it. I get how this works. Structure, yeah. 
But do you not understand that the ASAP brand is ASAP Rocky, ASAP Ferg? Like, no funny shit. I got someone in my someone really close to me is is a family with um ASAP Twelve I like Twelve music. Twelve could rap, bro. But like, that's not the name that carries the brand. You know, like mm-hmm. you gotta under. It's, and if I'm not mistaken, ASAP not even a record label. So what are you yeah. kicking me out of putting ASAP in front of my name? And that's and they're one of the biggest like what do you call them factions groups that flop because they were supposed to be the next big thing. Like yep. all ASAP, and it was supposed to be Rocky, Ferg, then Nasty, Twelvey, all of them, right? Mm-hmm. They were supposed to take over. They didn't. I don't know. Like it could be because of Yams died. I so that's so. that's a valuable reason. But you cannot just say I'm kicking off the second most popular person that helps us eat off this name. You could say it, but it'd be stupid and. Like, I still think Rocky is the biggest ASAP mem- member, period. But Ferg is the reason they've been relevant. Like, over the last, like, X amount of years, Rocky don't... Rocky is more famous for what he does outside of music. Like, I, Rocky still makes great music, but Rocky is like a... Uh, Every couple like, of years. Like an icon, like like a figure now. I don't want you to say it. Like, he's like a fashion mm. icon, like a New York, like, culture figure. Ferg makes the music. Like, the but last it's... few anthems of ASAP came from Ferg, if we being real. Like, they last few bigger, and they've been years, years from now. But you, who else is putting out work for y'all? Because yeah, y'all say Playboy, say, y'all say Playboy Cardi's ASAP. I ain't never seen him holler ASAP once. He does it on their records. <laughs> you know what I'm <laughs> no, saying? No, his individual stuff. I like Smokey yeah, Margella. I like Smokey, but Smokey ain't done nothing with ASAP really yet. He got some cool music, yeah. but yeah, what are we talking about? Listen, they got a couple people around. You know, it is what it is. Like they bought up. And you you could say easily like people like Playboy Cardi, even Uzi, who's been affiliated with ASAP Mob, they've been bigger than their brand and okay. done their own thing. In return, like the ASAP, like Ferg has been the one I say that had the best balance of keeping keeping your ear and eye on the streets while being mainstream. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, yeah, he's the second most notable member of ASAP, but at the same time, he's the one that's been pumping out the more of the New York City esque kind of anthems. Mm-hmm. And Ferg is like, the one who keeps them tapped in, like you said, with the streaks. Like he worked with the young New York niggas and shit like that. You don't see that from yeah. Rocky. Like Rocky, he's the one that the way I look at ASAP is like in terms of tiers. Like ASAP is clearly tier one. Like he's the one, he's the guy that does the the Hollywood crossovers. Like he's the one that'll get you a Rihanna and all these other close ass people, up high profile people. Ferg, he'll get you features and notoriety as well, but he's tapped into the streets. Like he's still tapped into what's going on with the younger generation of music. This shit going on probably in Harlem and shit like that. While mm-hmm. the others in Nickel like tier three, maybe founding father is still important. But yeah. we not they're not holding the brand. Ferg lives in much, Harlem still. You know what I'm saying? Ferg still live in Harlem. And my ASAP Rocky really checked out to me after the whole uh, prison I don't mm-hmm, forget mm-hmm. what country he was in. You was done with him? The Swedish prison incident. Yeah, I feel like after that, like, you're not focused on your music, bro. Yeah, but ASAP been over... I don't think he's over music. He love it. But music was always a thing that he did. You know what I mean? Rocky been big in yeah. music. Like, when I first seen ASAP Rocky, I thought he was, like, some street wave um, designer or some shit like that. I didn't know he made music. I was just like, yo, this nigga but, fly. But at the same time, ASAP never been great at promoting their music as well. No, no, they're not great at anything besides having Rocky and Ferg. That's why this whole conversation is stupid to me. Yeah, you can't kick out Ferg and Rocky, who's really been uh, 
putting the whole team on your back. But at the same time, being a founding father, I heard, I don't know if it's rumors, if they be like addicted to like lean and shit like that. I don't know what they do on their off time. But nonetheless, niggas with money probably smoking something, doing chilling, whatever. Sounds about right. You can't, can't, you, can't, you can't kick out the top two money makers in the group. Well, he didn't kick out Rocky. Bari. Yeah, Bari's a rapist. How's he still in the ASAP? Yeah. <laughs> and I know probably he's the, probably the third most popular, well, money-making no. member of the team because of V-Loan. But, like, come on, bro. I mean, to be fair, he still fucked up the V-Loan bag. He did. He Bar did. fumbled it. Nike, Bar, you fucked up that Nike V-Loan. Like, he you, had yeah. the deal with Nike set up. And then, but that, but he's still in the group. Whatever, and he said, he's like, oh, I'm not a yes man. So I'm assuming him and Ferg had a disagreement and blah, blah, blah. And you shouldn't be a yes man. But guess what? In business, sometimes you got to circumvent to the needs of your biggest artists. I want to, I, I want to, yeah, I want to speak on that because I don't like the whole yes man trope, especially when one person has a larger standard amount of responsibilities than you do. Because yeah. people with no responsibilities are shit that really don't give, like, they just have less care, more, like, it's not being the yes man when you have shit to do and shit to take care of. Yeah. So I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but I always hated that trope of just because you have responsibilities, you yes man. Yeah. And all so. I know is that if ASAP Ferg is not known as ASAP Ferg no more, he's funny as Ferg, I'm not going to stop listening to the music. It's not going to change fact. anything. All y'all do is lose Brandon. That's all that happens. ASAP loses Brandon if they cut Ferg. That's right. Like, and... He it's pretty much nothing. blasphemous to stay. It's pretty much blasphemous to like sign somebody new. So you have to like rise in the ranks internally. And it's too late for that. Yeah. Who? Like who? Who who will be the next guy up? Who? It's it's out of 12 year nest. Man, that's about it. There you go. And they've been out for a while. If they ain't pop yet, I don't really see them popping now. Like the only song I know like that ASAP mob had that's not Ferg and Rocky is like the shit they haven't met the man mad long ago. And that's it. I like some of the cozy tape shits without them. I like ASAP, but every group needs stars. You know what I mean? Like, you're not, it's going to be hard to sell me the next cozy tape if you tell me Ferg's not on it and I'm going to check in for Rocky and whatever songs he's on. Rocky can't be on every song. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Is, it's basically a Rocky album. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, what Ho- it's like, like basically it'd be like what Hove did with um, what was it? the Dynasty album. It's like, I'm on every song. I might as well make it an album. Like, yeah, I might as well get paid off the shit. That just happens. That's, what, that's what's going to happen. And, they're fucking up their bag. I think his ego is too big. Them drugs or whatever he's taking is getting to him. I don't know. I'm pretty sure ASAP as a collective had a conversation about this afterwards and was just like, nah, you're not out. We're not kicking you out. I don't know what That's this guy's talking about. Rocky cousin, I'm nasty. Yeah. He went out and said, he's like, nah, he's not kicked out the group. I don't know what they're talking about. Exactly. Because you don't get to make that call, nigga. <laughs> so, so... Yeah, that, that just shows internal discommunication, miscommunication, yeah. bro. There's something they going got, on. There's something know. going on. And Ferg, and that's my other thing. Ferg is not a guy who is, he gives off bad, bad energy. He's always Everybody positive. Everybody loves Ferg. You've never heard a bad so, Ferg story. Like, yeah, like, I don't, I don't know. It's something eternally, like you said. We'll yeah, see. at the end of the day, we don't know what's going on in the inside. We're just here for speculation, but this shit not adding up. It could, it, like, and I don't, like you said, we don't know if anything. It could be jealousy, bro. Like, it could just be as simple as that. Like, Ferg is invited to do things that they're not invited to do. Like, simple as that. Like, Ferg is an artist who has crossover appeal. He can do things without this group. He is a part of a, he's a part of the industry that they're not a part of. Like, 
everyone in New York can't just call Diddy to do a to do like a drop on their album for them. Ferg can do that. Like he's moved up to his tears in music. Like the ASAP shit, honestly, is below him. It's below Rocky too. It's the same thing as Corday dropping YBN. Like, of course, mm-hmm. um, ASAP is bigger than YBN. Don't get me wrong, but I don't, I don't lose out if I leave this thing. You know what I mean? I don't they lose do. out. You guys lose out. So yeah. that's that. I hope the ASAP mob figures it out because I love to see New York win, even if I don't know the other niggas. But kick Barry out the group. You guys should. You just like should. That should have been done a while ago. We saw it wasn't yeah. like Barry shit was even um, like. It wasn't like it was something where we kind of assumed. We saw a video. Like, uh, you know what I'm saying? This video. This like, is like. Yeah, it's proven. It's proven that, that you put that girl on the Cold, hard spot. facts. Yeah, bro. And then that's out. So ASAP, do better. Um, let's move on to the next topic. Let's see. Well, let's do Nas's album first, man. Nas' album came out first. We're going to do some music reviews now. Everybody listen to Nas' album? I listen to Nas' album. Yes, How sir. did y'all feel? King's uh, Disease. And King's it Disease. Cool. It was, it was cool. cool. It was It was definitely good to hear Nas with quality production all around the board. Finally. Don't do that. Don't be that guy. I'll be that guy. I'll be that guy. I'll be that guy. <laughs> You'll be that guy. Finally. You're part of the Nas Picks Horrible Beats Forever group? Nah, I'm not going to say all the time, but a lot of the time. Yeah. But not this album. I was pretty, I was content with the production on this album. It was. And, and it shows what happens when a great MC gives a great producer space to just produce. All he told Hit Boy was, pick shit that works for Nas. And that's all Hit Please. Boy did. All he did. <laughs> High quality, good music. Google uh, Nas type beat. Google and Nas it, type beat. And that's what Hit Boy came up with. Um, I, I enjoyed King's Disease. Uh, it was, it's, and, and let's give Nas credit that he released King's Disease on his own record label. Yeah, sure. That is, that's like, and for Nas in particular, that is a, we should be something celebrated because Nas is one of those dudes who was in like shitty deals for a while, had a lot of like problems with Def Jam, this, that, like he went through it. It's good to see Nas in a space where he can release music when he wants, how he wants under his own label. Um, his way. His way. Did you, did you hear the story that Nas had wanted to do a song with Prince and Prince told him, no, he said, we can't do a song till you own your own music. Like Prince told him that yeah. to his face. <laughs> He's like, oh, you got only your own masters. He was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like that. Shout out to Prince for that. Yeah. That nigga really put, you know, he was really putting putting game about masters for a long time, which is crazy. Because and, people like him dealt with the worst parts of that shit. Yeah. I'm like, but it's just it's happy for Nas, man. Yeah. yeah. Salute, salute, salute to Godson. Full circle was my favorite song on the album. Uh I'm not gonna lie, man. It was cool. He, like I liked all the firm and everybody, all the old niggas. But it was cool hearing Foxy Brown rap. Yeah, and she was actually bad. She was just like Az killed his verse on Full Circle. He did. Az went. That's the best song on the album. That Full Circle shit. My favorite. That's album, the best song to me. My favorite song is "Till the War Ends." With "Till Til the War's One" with him and Dirk. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, Dirk, bro. Can we talk oh, about man. little Dirk? Like really being on like a the little one right now, I'm and like. And the reason why I, I like that song, we can talk about Dirk one second, but I really like that song because Dirk is one of those voices for Chicago. Like, he really talked for them. And yeah. Nas is 
Nas is the kind of artist I would like to know what his thoughts was on a place like Chicago because it's kind of like what he's been talking about his whole career. So yeah. to see the youth of Chicago get down with like someone who would have been speaking about this regardless is it was it was a good like counteract right there. Like I like that together. That's the kind of shit Nas need to do. Even the shit spicy with him, Ferg and them, Favi was good. Even though Favi sucks, but even that shit was good. Like they, he trying to move a little more into the current world, and I enjoyed it. I'm about to say that because I feel like usually with Nas records, like before this album came out, I was kind of like iffy on it because it's like Nas has a particular sound that he tries to catch that he still hasn't like really fully got out. Even with the shit with Kanye. It was like Kanye beats, but he's rapping about the same things he's always usually has. With this, the features are different. Like you have Don Tolliver, Big Sean, and Charlie Wilson, all these niggas. It was, it was just, it just gave me a different Nas vibe while still staying true to himself. Yeah, because so. that, that song, The Definition, like there's no more Nas thing than putting Brucey e. B on a song just screaming like it's an 85 hip hop party. You know, yeah. like. But he kept, so he kept, he, he mixed it up. It was a good balance of like that old school shit with that new school shit. Yeah, like Nas came through with his album, man. I was rocking with it. Yeah, so give it, all right, we're going to do the dead ass, um, the dead ass rating. We're going one out of, we're going from one to dead ass. That shit is fire. And dead, dead ass, ass is fire. Would, would be like 10. Yeah. So, okay. how, how y'all feel about this, this Nas album? We're going to start with it. Uh, I'm always, I'm always crucial on first listen rating. But I'm gonna give this a seven point five. That's nice. I would I would I would go about the same. It's definitely better than that Kanye shit for sure. Yeah, I was giving it a seven. Yeah. A seven and a seven. half sounds about right for me. Cause if I ever hear that cop shot the kid bullshit ever again, ugh. and Nas spoke not about that. Nas, it's not a fuck with the song. Like and Nas said what I had said to y'all a long time ago. The album was rushed. Him and like they didn't even like. Like, fade out the noise of, like, Slick Rick enough so Nas could rap over it. That shit felt like it was rushed. Nas said they did that album in, like, a week. You know what I mean? Like... Because Nas is just a pawn to Kanye Drake Cold War album uh release date shit. So he was just collateral. And I think that was also Kanye, because apparently, and we'll we'll move on after this, because it's not a Kanye topic. But that was also Kanye, because in Kanye's um, contract, I think it was EMI, they told him your number one source of income needs to be music for the rest of your life. He can't retire from music and your number one source of income always has to be music. So that's, he's just trying to pump out a bunch of music to make him look, 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 I'm still surviving off of music. So Kanye is trying to find a way out of that shit. But um, yeah. that Nas album was um, just like a sacrificial lamb to Kanye and his selfishness. Collateral. I mean, that w- I don't want to make this about Kanye. We're going to get this right off that topic. Yeah. But yeah, last year, or oh, 2018, that run of Kanye albums, one of the most, uh, there's been a lot of collateral damages. We got some good songs. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of musicians like Tion Taylor mm-hmm. and Nas is ended up being collateral for Kanye. Tiana, Tiana had a good album. album it is, good. but it could have been better. It, it should have been better. She said there was a bunch All of All those albums trouble. that came out on that Kanye run could have been better if he didn't rush those by doing an album a week. Except for Pusher shit, because he didn't rush Pusher shit. Pusher T made sure that they took time with his shit. That's a fact. I feel Saha, like Saha needs fucking to find out how Pusha T get Kanye to do shit. Saha the Prince is pretty you much. No lie, bro. Bro, I'm not gonna lie. Saha the Prince is just the in-house writer, bro. Yeah, he is. I didn't know he wrote. He's an absolute. He wrote. He has writing credits on Sickle Mode and all that shit. He's just an in-house writer at this point, which is cool. You can get your money off that. There's nothing wrong. I'm knocking the hustle. But He's as an artist. 
if I want to be an artist and I'm your in-house writer, you got to take care of me, fam. That's just how that works. Like, if I'm going to be giving you my best shit, then... Hey, man, some niggas like to be getting taken care of for bread. Sometimes a couple dollars, slide your way for a verse, half a verse, whatever. Yeah, but Saha clearly wants to be an artist. <laughs> yeah. Clear, clear as day. I mean, so did Quentin Miller. And just stick to the, just stick to the ghost pen. Sometimes you just don't have that sound, but Saha does have the sound to be a rapper. But I don't know. It's just, just not sticking with him. But talking about Hit Boy, though, Hit Boy did produce this other one. Detroit 2, y'all. Sean Dawn. Yep. I didn't give him a listen yet. The so woke I'm going to need y'all. I'm going to need y'all's uh, opinion on this one. The woke one. This album... It's not horrible. It's not great. It's not dead ass great. But I feel like, like Ja said when we was off camera, I got to know Big Sean a lot more listening to this album. It's a lot of stuff that I didn't know he went through or happened to him that I learned from this album. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, it's not going to like it because, you know, people don't listen to rap for Oh, I meditate. I do this. I mean, I, some people do. There's always a niche. I focus on good charms, and but but Big Sean became popular off the ignorant shit. So yeah, now your fan base is like, I want, I want, ho, shut the fuck up every time. So wait, wait, wait. I didn't listen to I didn't listen to one track on the album yet. I haven't listened to anything yet. Not even a Nipsey track. So is it is it like on some like Janaeco spiritual? Similar. 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 I would say, kinda, but, what kinda, my, but. what my, it, it'd be hard to explain to you until you listen to it. It's a, a lot of third eye open shit. You know what I mean? You just got to listen okay. to it. It's a lot of that shit. But at the same time, I was saying so to Josh, be, go ahead, go ahead with your question. What you want to say? Uh, the, uh, so J- the Janae influence is definitely in now. Yeah. Janae has He's definitely, Janae did to Big Sean what Erica Badu did to Andre 2000 and Common. Whatever that shit is, whatever good pussy, whatever that good woke pussy do to you has been done to Big Sean. Don't so, that exactly. But um the album itself is good music. It seems um pretty broad. Like he couldn't he should he should have trimmed down some of the songs, of course. 21 songs is a lot, especially for like right now. Yeah. I think too many features. None of the features were bad, but it's like we haven't heard from you in a few years. I don't need us. I don't need mm-hmm. an eight, I don't need eight bars from you. I would like 32, 60. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't I, want I don't song. I want a whole song. But great rapping, like usual. The content is a little different. He's talking more about like just holistic things, like feel like being happy with yourself, not judging yourself or other people's perceptions. A lot of that very uh, awoken things, which I enjoy. I like artists growing up. I, it's nothing more. I, it's nothing I hate more than when artists don't grow. And the one thing with Big Sean that I forgot, he's one of the best um, punchline rappers. Period. Yeah, boy, boy got rap. Boy got bars. Boy got bars. Got it. Like. Boy got bars. But I was saying to Josh earlier, I don't know if Ant was here for it, but I was saying what this art, this album for Big Sean is going to be what kind of what Magna Carta Holy Grail was for Hove or like um, Wins and Losses was for Meek. It's like the first album of you taking a step in another direction. Like you're not changing your content completely, but you kind of reworking where it focuses towards. Like Meek always spoke about the struggle, but now he's speaking about how we get out of it? How do we change it? Like, what's really going on? I'm painting a picture of what's going on. I'm trying to help it. Well, Hove, Magna Carta, Holy Grail was his first 
real foray into being the guy who talks about art and um, generational Luxury wealth. Luxury items, yeah. Gener- yeah, generational wealth and how to make sure you don't got bad, cr- all that. Like that was Magna Carta Holy Grail. We just wasn't ready for it and he didn't know how to do it well yet. Like that album, when you look back on it, is just 444 and a lower quality, which I think B- Detroit 2 will be the first step of Big, Big Sean. Next album might be a classic because he got all his like kinks out with this album. That next album should be him more comfortable in this space. So yeah, this is Big Sean album for me, actually, I would give it like a six and a half if I was a rated six and a half out of 10. Because like I said, the, the rapping's good. There's some good music on here. It just seems really broad. Like he was really trying to put all his thoughts into this album. And it's just like, trim it down. I know you went through a lot these last few years and you want to get a lot, a lot off your mind, but we don't need all this shit at once. You can't, it's hard to ingest all of this, especially with the content. It's like the it's content is heavy. Every song yeah. has good content to it, but it's like, I can't ingest 21 songs like this. And you gotta, you gotta run it back to be like, yo, he, what he just said? Like, yeah. Okay. okay. You, so it's, 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 mind you, it's six, it's 16 songs with features on it, but there's at least 22 features on the album. This one song got eight, eight, nine features. A lot of songs got two, three features. So it's like, yeah. it's mad. And I know he had like a, a Detroit cypher thing going on, hard, right? Though. It was hard. I liked it. Good stuff. All right. I saw Eminem on it. So I was a little skeptical. Uh, I'm not going to lie. He did his thing. He did his thing. But uh, what, what I was going to say about Big Sean is um, now with this album, I feel like he has, he found more content to rap about. He's changed which his life. For, mo- for most rappers, that's a couple extra years on a rap career. Uh-huh. Because most rappers go a whole career without finding nothing new to talk about. So, yeah. So, and Big Sean's one of those people who, like, he raps what's going on in his life. So uh, it makes sense. Yep. Like, Dark Side Paradise, it's a completely different vibe than from what I decided it was. So, I didn't listen to this album yet. I'm going to give it a shot. But this new content that you have, going to give you some extra albums. And it is. Next album got to be uh, it got to be that magnum opus. Put it like this: in I my think opinion, this album will cause him to lose as many fans as he gains. But that's a good thing because if your content's changing, you want people who want the content to be the ones who receive the album. So if people, if the word starts to spread that okay, Big Sean is leaning, I don't want to say leaning towards Kendrick because I don't that is not I don't think that's what he was doing. But I could see him leaning more towards that Kendrick and Cole kind of demo than the Drake demo kind of where he was before. So yeah, he walked like, away from that. You could definitely tell he yes, walked away. He walked away. He did walk away from being the commercial guy. This album says that. Like I'm not trying to be commercial like that no more. Cause this is like one of his well, this and I decided they ain't have a hit. They ain't have that that banger like, yo. This will go crazy in the club type. Like Big Sean is always good for that, but he you could tell that he doesn't really care for that. Like he could yeah. probably easily give that to us. He can easily, like, yeah. He can always make another, I'm thinking back, like ass or like club banger. He can always make another shit like that easily. I say but, this. I think Sean, what he's gonna do is he could, I think he's gonna have a I see what J. Cole did two years ago coming for Big Sean. Like the, his content will stay like this. He will rap about what he feels is important to him, but he's going to go on people's songs and smoke them. He's going to pack. I feel, I see that coming. It's going to be a big show. He's going to do a big feature run. Yes. He's going to show like, Oh, y'all forgot. 
Y'all think I'm just I'm a, I'm a volley all your favorite rappers and come back but, and do this shit. And and that's what happens when you actually become comfortable with yourself. I think and you so. actually are happy. Because that's yep. one of the things he was talking about that he wasn't happy at one point talking about like depression and all that shit. Yeah. You know, so. this, this album does a lot of self-reflection and for people in their mid to late 20s, this is a great album. Because this is the point of your life where you do a lot of reflecting and things like that. You know what I mean? So... Yeah. I can see him making this for his fan base. I can see, I can see where he was going with this, and I do see greatness coming after this. But this album was it was a it was a decent decent performance. Decent shout performance. out, shout out to shout out to Wayne, man. Wayne always fucking with Big Sean, man. Wayne he always giving Big Sean big props. So shout out to Wayne. One thing about Little Wayne is he's always going to appreciate people who rap really well. That's always been Wayne's thing. If you could rap. Wayne, because he was on on his when he was doing his podcast during the quarantine, he did the same thing to the Griselda dudes when he was working with Benny the Butcher and Conway. He was like, "Yo, I mm-hmm. heard one of y'all songs. I'm like, yo, they rapping like this. I gotta have him on the track. Like that shit still does it for him. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. shout out to Wayne for like you know showing Sean. That was a good song too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another Wayne one. Like, we not, watch. We're not talking about Wayne right now, but Wayne has been putting out some quality verses as a recent, mm-hmm. like. He be he showing that I'm a goat for a reason. Yeah, this is one it. of those dudes. Yeah, but yeah, the Big Sean album. I would strongly suggest everyone listen to it, especially well, listen to it after some tea on a Sunday afternoon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll it'll brighten the rest of your day. That's definitely a Sunday morning album, bro. I could I clean my whole house for that album. I clean the shit out of my house for that album. Wait till I clean tomorrow. <laughs> Put that show on the big but, speaker. Um, I really hope um that he's actually found peace with himself and everything now. So and the next music. on the next podcast, I want to start, I want to start with Ant's um review of the pod of the of the album. I need to know what Ant thinks of the album. Because Ant is our he is our residential. I don't really fuck with Big Sean guy. You know what I'm saying? We don't really fuck with Sean like that. Sean Cool or whatever, but He's not really Ant's cup of tea like that. He's I mean, he's cool. Ant doesn't like a lot of artists on the low. A lot of people don't know about. I'm just not the type. I'm, you got to show me. You know what it is. But it is with Ant. Ant's a music, Ant's a music <laughs> snob. Your opinion, man, is bro. Nah, Ant's a music snob. Real talk. No, no. You man. are a music snob. Am You're I, a music I, snob, bro. You put your air up. You put your nose up in the air to a lot of shit. I never forget I'll never nah. forget him. I tried to put him on to Mac Miller a couple years ago. And Ant was like, Oh no, he didn't try to put me on to Mac Miller. And like at the He was like, oh, that's not my cup of tea. He's talented, but I was like, I was never a man, I'm never gonna be fake. I ain't gonna switch up now. I was never a Mac Miller guy throughout my high school and like college run. Like it was just I was not what I was bumping. Mm-hmm. So it was like, yeah, he cool, like whatever features or whatever songs that he did have, I'll bump it. But I'm not gonna be like, yo, this is my nigga, like yo. Yo, and now speaking speaking of Mac Miller, this is the anniversary of Mac Miller passing away, unfortunately. Rest in peace to Mac, one of the most talented artists I've ever listened to. Um, one of the one of the gods of what will be considered the blog era. Um left yes. one of the most unique discographies in hip hop history. No album sounds the same, high production quality. He gave. He did it all. Um, shout out to my boy. I would boy. say he's the greatest white rapper of all time. In my he opinion, is. 
greatest white rap artist because Eminem raps better than him. But I get what y'all saying. I fuck with that. I said what I said. I love. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out, man! Shout out to that boy Larry Fisherman, aka Delusional Thomas, aka Mac Miller. Um, really, really one of the most unique and genuine artists. You've never heard an artist say a bad word about Mac Miller except for fucking bum ass um, Gold Link, fucking loser. That's why no one fucks with you anymore. Yeah, see, I took L on that one. Yeah, DMV niggas. Yeah. One of the artists I do really fuck with, uh, he make me look bad. So I was yeah. like, all right. But nah, I take salute, a lot of flack for that. Salute to my son, Mac Miller. He really changed the game. No, I mean, really left his footprint all over music. You look at our music right now, a lot of the people who are thriving really were like, took taken on the max wing at some point. You know what I mean? Like, look at the internet. Look at... um. Schoolboy Q, look at Brent, five, all of these Tyler. dudes, all of them at some Tyler, Earl Sweatshirt, Vince Staples. There's yeah. so much of that West Coast camp really came fucking with Mac Miller, man. He, yeah, East what Coast Mac, nigga, again, going to the West Coast. Yeah. What Mac Where's Miller from again? Um, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. What, what Mac Miller did out West is very similar to what like Alchemist does in New York. Just gets a bunch of dope ass artists in the same room together and makes that shit work, man. And Max truly missed yo. Um, salute my boy. Uh, I'm going to listen to circles when I turn off this podcast and yeah, man, salute to Mac so Miller. We, it sounds like we ended, it sounds, it sounds like we ended this, uh, this podcast on a very, very uh, sour note. Nah, we gotta make it happen. We, end. we gotta talk like, about. I don't like ending on sadness. It's not Wait, good. It, it, we're not gonna end on sadness, but we gotta say R.I.P. to Chala. R.I.P. Jackie oh, Rob. R.I.P. My son Chadwick, aka Jackie uh, Rob, aka Thurgood Marshall, aka King T'Challa. King Word T'Challa, up, man. man. That that shit shocked me, bro. I was not expecting that shit when I seen it. That was not a death that I was like, you'll never see death coming, really. But damn, bro, that shit threw me. It's the oh. first. It, it's only it's 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 upsetting because like this is like the first everything he's done in his career. We appreciate it because he played a lot of like important black characters. Mm-hmm. But that Black Panther shit, that shit influential, bro. Yeah, yeah, it, like, it really set. I don't know what generation that these kids are in now. What, I, think, I, I think this is Gen Z. Gen Z. Gen Z whatever. whatever. Whatever generation it is. They Damn act, millennials. When you look at all these little kids, they have something Black Panther related. And a black superhero. We never had that as we never had that as a kid, like a black superhero. Ever. Kids were are happy going to the movies, like, oh, I want to see Black Panther. They have parties after it. So it's like he really did change a lot. And he was that figure for us. He was our Superman. It's crazy how he played perfectly played like towards both demographics of like black people. Yeah. Because he got the youth with Black Panther. Like that's something like the, the youth could like always there's somebody out there that looks like you that can be just as super as any other hero. Yeah. While also paying homage and really playing Jackie Rob, Thurgood Marshall, mm-hmm. fucking James Brown. James yeah. Brown, too. Yeah. What, what yeah, like, in his bag? There's definitely a couple grandparents, 65 and up, that watch these movies and been like, they, they got to relive a piece of their youth as well. So yeah. shout out to Chadwick, man. And to bring it back to just the Black Panther in the, as a movie, like, 
that is the most, and I know using words like important is stupid for superhero movie. That's the most important superhero movie ever. Straight yeah. up. They don't even come close. That's the best thing culture-wise Marvel has ever done. Like for society, and I'm Disney, period. Like you, not only did you make a black superhero, he was depicted as a king. He ran a country, all like the significance behind the symbolism in the movie, the fact that the, them hiding Wakanda because the rest of the world yeah. would steal its resources like the fucking world does to Africa now. Like they really put they foot in that movie in like special, special way. The fact that it starts off in Oakland, California, a Disney movie starting off in the hood. The fact that at the end, they turned the first Black Panther Research Center in the, a project building. It was not about a bunch of little black kids. Like just the symbolism of what kids could see. Like you could legit show your kids a movie like, yo, that's kids that look just like you in a movie about superheroes and the whole nine. The fact that he's not just a superhero, he is the richest person in the Marvel Universe. These are all people. You know what I'm saying? In the Marvel Universe, he's number one when it comes to cable. He's the king. The vibranium. It was, it was just the... That movie was just like... From the undertones of how Killmonger and T'Challa wanted to go about things in terms of their country. Like, I feel like I drew the comparison back to like, a, like an MLK, like Malcolm X kind of vibe, how they yeah. wanted the same thing in different ways. Like this, this shit touched a lot of points on a lot of socio like kind of ways. Think about and it. This like, should push the envelope. Um, I know, like we've like the last few years, everyone wants to have an antihero, and but like, yo, like the reason why Killmonger being an antihero was doper than Thanos is because the Killmonger antihero is a real person. That's people that we know that exist, like black men that are angry over the world, the way the world has done them, and took away their father from them. Like, yo, that movie, man, is way deeper than just like a superhero movie. Like the, the life. The anti-hero is angry because his black father was killed by another black man. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is legit. Like they are picking the hood in front of you. Like you took away down. someone's father and his anger almost took down the black community. You know what I'm saying? Like you legit, like this is a, a kid's movie that they did this shit in. Like, and as kids get older, you can rewatch this and see it in so many different ways. It's not just a superhero movie. When you turn like 18, 19, 20, you get to see like the real symbolism behind what they were trying to show us. So if you if you look at this movie from a sociologic lens, bro, this movie goes deep. Way deep. So, Even with the, the African um traditions. Remember, everybody's wearing the they um African colors out um like tribe stuff. Yo, shout out to Ryan Coogler, bro. So yeah, as a director. Really, one of the goats, bro. Yeah. That was the first time ever in history we got to see something like that for our culture. So. Uh, bro, like just this, the scenes of just like all the African royalty and all of that, like it's just dope. Like all of it. And Down I to the casting. Yeah, I heard it was based on like real African culture, like tribes. I bet, I bet, I bet. Oh. Disney don't, Disney don't, you know, they got their budget too big. They don't half-ass that shit. If they're going to do it, they're going to do it. Yeah. Like side to side, the different tribes and how that is actually a real tribe in Africa. So shout out yeah. to that. Shout out to them. But yeah, man, R.I.P. Chadwick, bro. Um, that shit was rough. Like I, celebrity deaths don't usually, especially like people that I'm not like really ever think of like as myself being a big fan of them. Like when Nipsey died, I was shocked. When Kobe died, I was shocked. When Mac died, I was shocked. Because like these are people that like, but felt like part of my life. I like every day I kind of interacted with their music or a video. Like, yeah, I didn't understand yeah. how big the Black Panther shit was. I'm like, wow, like, we lost our superhero. You know what I mean? Like, 
And Mad unfair. You didn't even get a second Black Panther movie first. They don't even know how to move forward with the franchise I'm hearing. Yeah. So that's rough. Listen, they don't. I, all I'm going to say is if you, my movie recommendation is to watch The Five Bloods. Yeah, Chadwick Boseman's barely in the film. He's barely in the film, but after watching that film, it made me explain. It explains why after like all this shit that we just found out. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. that's his last film, barely in the film, but he's still in it, playing the point and role in the movie. And I want to give cancer. a major shout out to his um any everybody who's in a circle that did not say a yeah. word. Yeah, because yeah, you could have told that word. you could have told TMZ for the bag. You could have came to E News for the bag on Chadwick Boseman. That's yeah, how you that's keep a, good, a tight circle around you. That shit came in, bro. Real talk. That shit legit. It worked. You know what I'm saying? It really did because he had a strong unit around him. Like people wasn't even when he was shooting the Five Bloods. I heard someone was like this older black guy was saying how he thought that he was being bougie. You know what I mean? Like he had people rubbing his feet, rubbing his back, taking care of him. Blah blah blah. It was like, damn, Hollywood made this guy weak, and the dude started to cry. Like, yo, I didn't even know that he was really going through all of that. Like. So that even shows how strong he was. He wouldn't even tell us that he was going through that. He was just like having you don't nobody to worry. doing everything. He didn't want to become like a like a sympathetic figure. You know what I mean? He still wanted to be himself, which you got to respect. He wanted to go out strong, which is that's So expected. from no bullshit, from one black superhero to another, R.I.P. John Thompson, because he may have oh, never had yeah. a movie about him. But if you're talking about real life, they need to be. Real life black superhero, yes, for real. He doesn't need a movie. Real life black superhero, someone who fought for young black men in ways way more important than the like what people assume. Like players, all right. So if you don't know, Georgetown coach John Thompson died. John Thompson is the is Georgetown. Georgetown was built on his back. Like everything about that program, the fact that it's still relevant today, John Thompson is the reason why. The reason John, John Thompson coached. Patrick Ewan, legit, probably one of college basketball's first superstars, like legit, like Patrick Ewan was the face of college basketball for four years. And John Thompson was the shadow behind him that made sure no one fucked with him. Like John Thompson protected young black men in ways that coaches don't even think about no more. Like people thought that he was a, he was like being, like being like overbearing by not allowing them to do interviews. But he's like, Y'all ask kids questions that kids shouldn't answer and then go into newspapers and tear kids apart for answering a question that way. So, yes, I'm going to protect my players from y'all because for some reason, when a black kid from Georgetown says something, it, for some reason, it hits the headlines in a different way. John Thompson, Allen Iverson says John Thompson saved his life because if we all know the AI story, after high school, gone to a brawl, he was arrested, um, charged with like maiming, maiming by a mob which was like a serious crime. He was facing, I think, 10 years in prison. His mother went, they had another whole story. His mother went to the, uh, the, the governor of Virginia, got him pardoned. And his mom went to John Thompson and begged him, begged him to take the number one. Now, mind you, this guy, AI was the number one player in the country at the time. Had to beg John Thompson to take him because back then, if he was black and committed what they could deem to be any kind of crime, it was over for you. They wouldn't even touch you. So legit, yeah. without John Thompson, we don't get no AI. Then you got Alonzo Mourning, Dikembe Mutombo, all the amazing things Mutombo did in the world, building, Af building, building hospitals all over Africa, all over the world. Patrick Ewan now, the head coach at Georgetown, molding young men the same way John Thompson molded him. Alonzo Mourning being the backbone of the Miami Heat organization. Like we just talk about Pat Riley, but like that figurehead behind him that puts players in check is Zoe. 
Then you got the dude, Mark Jackson, who was a point guard at Georgetown, who is now the, um, the executive producer of the um, TNT halftime show, which Kenny Charles and them, he done won so many Emmys. So like, look at all the great men that he put into the world. And those are just the ones that we know of. That's not talking yeah. about the rest of the players that he's guided. They ain't blow up, blow up. Yeah, man. He, and, um, that just guided through life. He wasn't just making basketball players. He's helping them become great men. You got That's what coach is supposed to do. You're not just about on court. It's about what you do after basketball. And his presence kind of, like when I was younger, and I heard, so I saw somebody say this, I believe on Twitter. It was like, they thought Georgetown was a historically, was a historically black college. Mm-hmm. And I thought so too, because, you know, John, John Thompson, where he represented, it wasn't like what other colleges had as their representation, you know? He yeah, was okay. the spokesperson. He was, whatever he said, they stood by. So that that's just another thing for John Thompson to see what effect that he brought to the sport. When you have a patriot... What you say? Like when you have a patriarch that, that significant to your organization, to your school, to your, basically your legacy, like losing them is... It's a hard part. That's the sad part. But just all the shit he left behind. Like I said, yeah. always 2020 hindsight. He left a lot of good basketball players, a lot of great men that helped shape what we fuck with today. So yeah. it's just like 2020's really been a shitty fucking year, bro. Like really, man. He In left some honesty. great, great men behind. And probably his biggest impact ever would be, um, this is, I was really young. I don't remember. I might as read up on it. Like, Probably when he when he protested Proposition Forty Eight. Proposition Forty Eight was a rule in the NCAA that basically said you had to have certain standardized testing scores to be eligible to play. And we like it's been proven historically standardized tests are racist. Is right like they don't you don't get the same access to mm-hmm. this information in schools in lower income neighborhoods, which is what John Thompson was recruiting from. So his kids would come to school and wouldn't be eligible. And you got these kids feeling bad, the whole world calling them dumb because you can't play and this and that. But it's honestly, I'm not set up to take the test the way you set to taste the test. So what he did was walk out during a nationally televised game, the most famous coach in the game at the time, because he didn't agree with the rule. And down the line, it was changed. And this, he was, he was protesting before protesting was cool. Like, you know, he took, he took shit for that. This wasn't like 2020 where you will be applauded for this. He did that shit in the 90s. Seriously. Only imagine the pushback he got. Seriously. He a, this is a, and that's he, but he knew how important it was and how powerful his voice was. He knew Georgetown wasn't firing him. He's like, fire me. Well, well this program is nothing without me. Because that's back when the Big East was still the Big East. And he was one of the reasons why the Big East was the Big East. He helped put it there. Like once the Big East came into play. They were they were in four straight Final Fours and two championships in four years. So the face you've seen all over the screen was John Thompson because he in college, players come and go, but the coach stays the same. So he legitimately was the face of Georgetown basketball, created a real culture there that'll never be replicated. So I just wanted to say that. R.I.P. John Thompson, the godfather of college basketball. Um I would say he will be missed. I never met him. It would have been a great person to meet, but he will be missed because we don't got play coaches like that no more. Even Coach Coach K talk about him like he's the big homie. And Coach K is the big homie now. Like that's Coach K big homie. He don't he can't even talk down like he speak of him of reverence. Like, damn, I can't believe a man that great is gone. And this is the greatest, this is arguably the greatest coach of all time. So once again, R.I.P. John Thompson. Uh 
It was dope. It was dope that we, they had a coach like that who just represented like so much for the culture. Like for a while, if you go look, look go back and look at '90s rap videos, everyone's rocking Georgetown Hoya shit. Every video you see, because if you was a black man and watched college basketball, you fuck with the Hoyas because that was a black man's team, and he was the face of that. So once again, salute John Thompson, man. Sucks that he ain't here no more, but his legacy will be felt forever. I don't want to leave on a sad note. This is Ant's fault. I blame Ant. Ant made the podcast. We're celebrating sad. life. We're celebrating life, man. So yeah, for we're we celebrating John Thompson's life. I don't want to say we ended on a sad note. Him, Chadwick, um, Mac, Mac, Mac. It's just the theme of the day. Just we're celebrating their life, man. Good as ass. we should. That's amazing. Um, Today Boston and Clippers Nuggets. All right, so those are the games today. Who cool. give me y'all picks for the today's games? Yeah, running back, running back. I got your team, Boston mm-hmm. versus Toronto. So you I know, know you got, got Boston. Josh, who you got? I got the Raptors. Ugh. I have Boston. Thank you. So Man. put that on. Put that on record here. And in Clippers and Nuggets, I'm pretty sure we all have the, the Clippers. I got the Kawhi, not the Clippers. I got Kawhi. You got Kawhi? Yeah. Yeah, I got uh, Los Angeles uh, Leonard. Kawhi oh. had a bad game last game, so... Oh, he, I, he coming for blood. Yeah. That robot that robot in him is going to be... He's shooting high 50% this game. Mm-hmm. But um, and your man, apparently your man J. Cole was supposed to be on Detroit, too. That's what Big Sean said. I don't know why that didn't happen. It's not like Cole got shit to do. Niggas in the crib. I also saw that he explained why he wasn't with the seven song release for Kanye well, last yeah. summer, two summers ago. McJohn? I, I didn't read into it. I didn't see. Well, you know why he wasn't into it? Because he's not a fucking idiot. He's not going to let Kanye give him an album in a week. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, <I> don't. <laughs> and that is that. But um, this has been... Episode 7, Season 2 of the Dad's Only Podcast. I am your host, Ja. And I am honored to be joined by my Grammy Crimeys, my co-host, my partners in pod, Mr. Oh My. Ash. And the tagless, the always agitated, but always on time, Mr. Ah. Yo, peace out. Enjoy your day. By the way, guys. Um, Happy Labor Day. Happy Labor Day, guys. Go pelt some waste on the parkway. Thanks. Hashtag free that ass only. Yeah. What? Free right. that ass only. Free us from what? Yeah, Anka won't let us do without seasons. Oh word, y'all. Yeah, free us. Do. Free us. I'm gonna delete this. Josh, you're an idiot. I'm off this. Later, y'all. This is the Dad's Only Podcast. Stay black. Go through what Joe Budden going through. <laughs>